Hey everybody and welcome to episode 507 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Austin Cook Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash lasertime and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining me now? Never before seen on Paramount Plus, Chris Antista. I'm always struggling to come up with a funny nickname. Jesus. I'm guessing a lot of stuff on Paramount Plus has never been seen. Uh, and... Wow. <laughs> uh, just a small town boy, never been to South Detroit, Matthew Allen. Ah, thank you both for joining I told me. told you it's... we should all buy a cul-de-sac there and just name the street Game Apocalypse. <laughs> and... <laughs> Did you tell us that? <laughs> yes, I've proposed this several times. Houses were going for a dollar in Detroit. It's coming oh, up, man. baby. <laughs> it's coming up. You just gotta have... You just gotta, you know, get used to the lead in the water. Yeah, yeah. Apocalypse Street. It fits... Yeah. You know, the locals would embrace that with open arms, I think. Yeah, they surely did. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I was yeah. making a joke about The Last of Us TV show. Ah. Ah, okay. Which, I was only, I was trying to make a joke about it, but it, I actually thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And then, so like, I'll turn this on another video game show, and the only one I could pull out was the Halo show, because I saw that in Walmart, season one on DVD, and I just sat there like, season one of the Halo show, and I have not seen a fucking frame of it. Am I not subscribed to Paramount Plus? Oh, I am. I just have (laughs) totally forgotten entirely to watch it. Uh, I played Halo Infinite this week, uh, but I've never seen the show. Did you? Yeah, but like, just uh, a buddy of mine just got his Xbox Series X and Game Pass and just like, yeah, I missed like the last four Halos. I'm like, all right, I'll I'll do some co-op with you. Like, that's never never a bad idea, Halo and co-op, no matter how old you are, no matter what year it is, what time of day. Hmm. Even if you're milking the cows. That's where Last of Us 3 could go. Co-op. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that, that Last of Us, uh, I I think, poised to be the the first true great video game series. Other than Code Monkeys. We know you love your Code Monkeys. Maybe. Well, the, um, what was it? The, um... League of Legends one. Oh, right. Supposed to be really good. And Edge Runners is supposed yeah. to. It was amazing. Edge Runners is really good. Well, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, one of the better ones I've seen. But yeah, somebody did point out it's like every time, oh, oh, Castlevania, every time a good series happens, people are like, oh, the curse of video game adaptations is broken. And then they immediately forget about it when the next big one comes. But out. It, it, there was still... a big meme about that this week. Yeah. It's like it's been broken, like, for what? Since Mortal Kombat it's 1. It's been broken for a, a while, but in this streaming world, it has less of an effect like the sonic movies were something the traditional world could experience at the exact same time hey video mm. game movies don't suck anymore uh sonic out now in theaters and then on demand and then like when it quietly squeaks onto a streaming service like most people don't even know it exists but it, oddly enough by the the third time my dad asked me about league of legends was when that arcana hit netflix he's like you heard of this league of legends thing like yeah dad what do you want to know? Because I don't want to know anything about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you should have your dad learn about it and then tell you. <laughs> yeah. I, I come I, on the show. I am a little bit impressed with Last of Us so far because, apart from a few deviations and some new stuff, it is almost a line by line adaptation of the game. Like, with, with, with some misdirects. Yeah. And, but they include, like, one of my favorite lines, which is that, you know, the. Drugs. drugs. I sell are... hardcore drugs. Like, I, well, the, I, the same delivery, almost. I was watching that with my lady and her kids who hadn't played the game, and I said that, and like, how did you know? Like, it's literally from the game, and like, Michael yeah. and I have been quoting that for so long. If they leave it out, I will be legitimately pissed. <laughs> I'm sure that's why they left it in. And, but, uh, yeah. One thing I don't get with that is 
the decision so they they begin it in 2003 and then you know if you played last of us you know it, it begins in present day and then skips ahead it 1968 years. for some reason like yeah. like fucking watchman <laughs> sure why not <laughs> but like it, it starts in 2003 which the game started in like 2012 2013 when the game came out and then it jumps ahead to 2023 so it's an alternate present and I, Craig Mazin, the the show's creator, was like quoted as saying, "I think this makes it more real because you know we can if it's in 2043, who cares? But 2023, well, that's now we can relate to that. And like, no, it makes it seem less real because it, now it's in a parallel world. We know shit didn't go down you, 20 years ago. I, you know what he meant, and it only is highlighted in Last of Us when you, if you played the not the the remaster, not the remake of one when mm-hmm. the last console in any house is a PS3." Yep. <laughs> well, it's in Last of Us 2 also. Is they, it? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the PS3 is the final console. So Exactly. <laughs> if you thought you had trouble getting a PS5, move to the Last of Us universe. There should be plenty lying <laughs> around the littered homes, <laughs> littered abandoned homes. But yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty great. And like uh, as someone who's, I have played that intro like four times. I've finished mm-hmm. the game once. Uh, I, I've played that numerous times. I'm next to my ladies' excited teenage boy. And God, I think I think I passed that along to you, and he was like, he just he was excited because he wanted to see it. His friends talk about the Last of Us. He hadn't played it though, and um, they're driving away. It's the driving sequence from Last of Us. I'll try not to spoil it if you still think that's a spoiler. Um, and he's like, oh man, look at all those people jumping in front of the car, bro. I'd be getting out of that car blasting everybody. And like, actually, in the game, you're playing as Sarah here. He's like. Oh, so you switch back and forth between Joel and Sarah throughout the entire game. I'm like, dude, <laughs> shut up. Just watch the fucking show. I'm not talking yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking anymore. And, and the the funniest thing was uh, there's that one woman who reprises her role from the game, which I don't think is anything we've ever seen before in our lives. Uh, the black woman. It's the same actress from is the it? game who's in the show. We've yes. seen Marlene? black women in our lives, Chris. We've I seen... live in a small town uh, <laughs> somewhere in Idaho, and I've never seen a black lady. Uh, fuck, what's her name? Um, Mar- Marlene, isn't it? Yeah, Marlene is the same actress for who mo-capped the original like almost 10 years ago, over Funny. 10 years ago if you're going by their now, production now I time. I have to look that up. Yeah. Why? I just told you. It's real. <laughs> it happened. All right. Uh, yeah, fine. It's, it's the, yeah, it is, it's, the, it's the same person. I, we've literally never seen that in a video game movie before. Someone reprised their role in likeness and voice. Oh, yes, you are correct. Yeah, yeah I we've know. Seen, we've seen cameos. <laughs> well, the, the audience doubted. And so did I. <laughs> did I had to check did on they? behalf of the listeners. They can't take what we no say. No trust on this program. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've seen cameos. Like, I think Troy Baker is like a background character yeah, he, in he this show. Yeah, he showed up like for a second, I think, in the yeah, foreground yeah. of one of the shots. That, that happens quite a bit in the game movies, but not never like, yeah, you're just going to be the same role. Like, good. Yeah, that's that's kind of incredible. Well, cool. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I do kind of feel... The same way I felt playing the remake, like, this is really good, but it holds mm. almost no surprises for me. Like, how is yeah. this going to, you know, surprise me? How is it going to make me scared if I already know everything that's going to happen almost shot by shot? Well, I, um, I, God, do you remember watching that first episode of The Walking Dead and being like, this is, I was the biggest fan of the comic. This is the greatest show ever. This is, the, this is going to be the greatest show ever. And mm. the next episode, like, completely deviates. Like, that was weird. But, like, 
they should deviate a little bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of hoping they deviate a bit more than they have. Well, I, I think just the all the talk about Fedra and being of under government control, it's sort of surprising. Like w- when that was happening, and you know, kids are asking me questions. I'm like, this doesn't factor into the game ever. You are almost always in an abandoned somewhere and never fighting against the government. So the idea that the mm-hmm. government could play a role in the show, whereas it really didn't in the game. Well, it it did at this point in the game. Yes. Like, you know, that you're living under their control and, you know, you have to worry for, about their soldiers at For first, the first but, hour until you sneak out. But it seemed yeah. like they were introducing so many things. Like, this is where yeah. people get pills from. Pills there. And, sorry. And, <laughs> and that they're, they're going to elaborate on that a little bit because they have way more time to tell the story because not yeah. all of it is craft, Ellie, like crafting arrows. That's what I've heard is, is, and that's what I'm looking forward to is just deeper dives into the characters you know you get to see a bit more character and relationship development and and yeah because like you said they have well it's it's funny to see you have more time than a 30 hour game or whatever that first one you know uh however long it was but it's so funny like i went back to play that first game remake and there's so much stuff in the first hour or two of the game that has nothing to do with the rest of game one or two like i forgot i'm like oh yeah the fireflies are considered to be terrorists mm-hmm. in, in that first like hour right like there, there's like a bomb scare thing that joel goes through and you're like oh shit yeah like yeah there's like a lot of this political stuff is set up almost as a diversion you know it's, it's meant to be yeah. sort of like a swerve and i'm wondering will the show do that too or will the show lean I mean, into some of that and be the, like the eh, vibe i got is like I, I forget i said i said something to uh to the, to the effect to the the kid I was sitting next to, but he's just like, a, these fucking zombies. And like the whole game saying it was about fighting zombies is a giant misdirect. And like, well, who are you fighting? And like the last of us, that, that's, that's what you fight in, in the last of us. <laughs> primarily the last of us. Like, Oh, are you telling me a piece of zombie fiction has humans as the real threat? It, it does, no. but, but it, it took, it took walking dead about, I would say a couple of seasons to start leaning into that. The comic always sort of leaned into that, but like when they're not on stable footing, it really is like survival against the zombies. Whereas like we jumped to a world in last of us where they kind of have figured that out already. Hmm. And, and, and if anything, like am I mistaken? Like most of the time, the uh, clickers, they're a little blindy. Yeah. No, and, they, and, they are blind. Yeah, they're, they're pretty they're easy to avoid. And, but and they're super sensitive to sound, so you have sound, to be careful yeah, yeah. how you stand. But if you've never played The Last of Us, it should if, to reiterate, you fight way more humans than you fight clickers. It is almost like, like you could sue. This is not the game I thought I was going hmm. to get, because I, I think there's a multiplayer mode. I'm tired mode. of beating grimy bandits over the head with a brick. I want to kill a bunch of Even bandits, like an opposing faction of hmm. anti-government terrorists who scream out the names of their loved ones when you murder them. Oh, well, God, that's, the that's part two. They didn't that's do that yet, two, in, yet in one. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Last of Us, the TV show, that that was fun. Uh, sorry for the little deviation from our normal format, I guess. I think I, I think I can qualify it, Matt, because you, you are right. We always say, like, oh, the first good video game adaptation, like Castlevania, was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Sonic 1 and 2 are awesome films. Um, but the first live-action M-rated adaptation mm. there how about that uh by a first party i'll even qualify it further <laughs> uh <laughs> mm. once we get that uh that gears of war to be show 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen. Who knows? Um, but you to be or not to be. So um, we we do start off every show with the top five, and uh, you you came up with an interesting one this week, Chris, which is I did. Yeah, games yeah, created by or worked on by <laughs> traditional animators. Like people yes. who worked in 2D cell animation and took those talents and applied them to the video gameological arts. If you think about it, it's it's pretty miraculous because a lot of animators that I love to hear from, like old animators, fucking hate digital technology and they hate working on they hate the idea of video games dictating what story is because they've always been able to dictate what story is in their very slow multi-year fashion and i was thinking about it because uh, i was like should we switch to sort of disgraced animators so we can include <laughs> high on life and uh, everything john k did uh, uh, well we might we might talk about one of those two but what the other one is way too recent and i'm not comfortable getting into that right now but yeah, we. Uh, why did I bring it up? Is it something that's on the list? Um, um, it might be. It might even be our number five. So you're not going to guess what this is because this is a fairly obscure GameCube game that came out in 2003. Uh, one of four games made by Spumco. That was shocking to Speaking learn. Speaking of, yeah, John Kay, the disgraced animator, creator of Ren and Stimpy. Uh, <laughs> now he, only credit as the creator of George Lickert, who is the figurehead <laughs> yep, of Spumco. That's it. That's all he gets. American! Uh, yeah, American! I, I didn't realize Spumco had sort of a... a dry period in the early 2000s, the PS2 era, and they made four games, only one of which was released in the U.S. In Japan, they made a game called Yoake no Mariko and its sequel, which sounds like this. Three, two, one, action! Hello! Excellent! Uh, <laughs> it's definitely not Billy West. And if it is, he should be no, ashamed of himself. No, it was only only released in Japan, and it's basically like a rhythm game. You have to input like a directional combination and then hit a button on, on like a beat, and that will oh. decide whether or not like your your character is acting out a scene and did they do the scene successfully, this this moment. And it's also like kind of super racist. <laughs> like it's got a bunch of fairly offensive racial caricatures it's like yeah this is probably why it didn't come to the u.s which is weird because they they are that's how john k drew people in ren and stimpy mm. and 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 yeah i think it's why ren and stimpy is kind of a dead ip like yeah there's, that, that there's, shit could fly in the early 90s sometimes maybe, yeah maybe don't draw black people that way or, or like there you know there's like transphobic jokes in the characters and like yeah it's just this dude trying to push all these weird buttons and and ultimately like that kind of the attitude that built Ren and Stimpy would sort of be his demise mm. uh, he's a he's a fascinating well, that, horrible guy that and creeping on underage girls that was also yeah. his demise well yeah but I, I think like his 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 rationale of fighting against the system mm. uh, 
I mean, sorry, this is getting on too long of a rant. Like, that's how, like, he, Ren and Stimpy was taken away from him. He's like, no executives. If you've never drawn a cartoon before, you don't get to write one. Like, so we have a bunch of amateur writers and a bunch of artists who wants to do things over so you can't get two episodes out within a year. Uh oh, some yeah. we might need a new showrunner, and they did, and they yep. took it. Yep. <laughs> John Kay has spent like a hell of a lot less time with Ren and Stimpy than Bob Camp. Anyway, sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm not even getting to the game that he that made that did come to the state. So he made two of these. They were published by Sony, and did the art for a game called Space Fisherman, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a fishing game in space. Uh, kind of cute and whimsical, has a sort of Space Channel 5-y feel. And then Spumco made Go-Go Hypergrind. So they created the character designs and I think some of the animation for it. And Go-Go Hypergrind is basically a Tony Hawk knockoff that is- only came out in the U.S. for GameCube in 03. And it's it's about cartoon characters competing to be in a Spumco cartoon. What? It is, like, one, it just, like, it really takes me back of all trends I never could have predicted and don't remember. Like, the Tony Hawk clonage mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. so mm, outrageous. Yeah. Like the cottage industry in the early so outrageous. Like, you can, yeah. you can kickflip as Woody and Simba and Solid Snake <laughs> and, <laughs> and, not, and, and Dime Store Red and Stimpy. It just doesn't make any sense now. Yeah, the characters in this all are, like they they have sort of a Japanese graffiti vibe to them, um, but still clearly are Spumco creations, and uh, especially the instructor Kevin, who looks almost exactly like George Licker. There are two kinds of cartoons that are shown in the real world. Doesn't sound like him. One is produced by humans who draw each frame of animation or use computers. And the other method involves U-Tune actors, where we film you in action and edit it. What sets you apart from the traditional method is that U-Tune actors do it with a pizzazz and style that can't be duplicated in the real world. In this upcoming cartoon, you'll definitely need both. Pizzazz and style. Get ready, because I'm going to turn you into superstars. So, yeah, the it's a collection of cartoon characters that range from, like, you know, a little wolf with low-slung pants and, uh, like, his underwear show, and, you know, it's got a chain wallet. Typical, you know, just... And a thick pig that is way too sexy. Yeah, yeah, early 2000s formal wear on that wolf, but, uh, yeah, the... the Big Pig is like, ah, uh, she, she's wearing a bikini. She's kind of a, a fat joke. One of her flip tricks, actually, that you do in midair, she just, like, does a close-up of her face to the camera and says, like what you see, and then, like, a pane of glass between you and her just shatters. What? So it's like, oh, you're saying she's ugly. I thought she was just a ball of fire, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't know what's happening. I thought she was the bee's knees. Is that yeah. what the kids are saying on yeah, TikTok? Yeah, sure. There's also, uh, like, two uh, long-nosed weirdos that share a sweater Easy. called the, the Johnson Brothers. As a... As a- Partial Gonzo, I'm offended by your. <laughs> you said that. I thought I thought just as a Pinocchio fan, you'd be like, "Come on now!" No, like goodness. you know, big long red noses. I'm pretty sure the Johnson brothers is an allusion to that. Um, All right. Yeah, but what sets this apart from the other Tony Hawk clones is the appeals that you can do, uh, which is what the game calls them. They're basically just like, look, there's a bunch of cartoon lethal shit in every level, and if you skate up to it and hit this button at exactly the right moment it will have a cartoon effect on you. Like, there's a big swinging mallet. If you go up to it and hit the button, it will flatten you and send you skyrocketing 
there's things that you can skate under that'll do that. There are like fire barrels that you you jump over and you hit the button and it lights you on fire. And then you go over to a bundle of dynamite and you jump into it and it'll send you flying and you can go flying into other dynamites. And uh, here is you being eaten by a hippo pooped out into the mouth of a monster who then spits you across the stage into a pool where a crocodile bites you. And yeah, the the effects of these things, so after you get pooped out by the hippo, you become a turd. And so you're just playing as a turd for a while, and you can catch the turd on fire, and now you're a flaming turd, and uh... It's, it's it's so it like even but looking at all that like visually I couldn't see the Spumco brand on any of mm. this and and, and I, I thought it was interesting it's, it's less obvious than some of the other ones I, I I thought it was fun that you brought up George Licker mm. uh, because that was John K loved that character and he wanted him in so many running Ren Stimpy cartoons and Nickelodeon was like. This character is unappealing. And he's like, yeah, they said that because he's old. I'm like, no, because he's very clearly like a Republican dad. Yeah. And, and mean and violent and drinky and smoky. And it's kind of is not terribly appropriate for children. And, and when, when the divorce happened, he took George Licker and tried to yeah. make him a star. Didn't take. Well, that that was the thing that he initially, I think, pitched a show with George Licker and uh, his other character, Jimmy the Idiot Boy. And then he decided he didn't want to give up the rights to these cash cow moneymaker characters. <laughs> and so he created Ren and Stimpy as like stand-ins for them that he could sell to Nickelodeon. He's he's in that dog show cartoon. I think one more Ren and Stimpy cartoon, but yeah, that well, is about the, it. There's one I, I saw some of today called Man's Best Friend. That it's like, oh, this is the one that got him fired because yeah, he was so. missing deadlines. And then he handed this in and it had to be heavily censored because there's a lot of violence. No, I, I believe some of those Ren and Stimpy episodes went out uncensored against the wishes of Nickelodeon. Like, we're hmm. just not going to run this again. Ah. Which is it's it, it just a weird. That's how animation worked back yeah. then. Like we don't have time to censor this because he delivered it so late. Yeah, and uh, when I when I say violence, it's it's really just cartoon violence. Like I think Ren beats up George Licker with an oar. It, or he something, had the he had the George Licker silly. show, which was yeah a, 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 a terrible flash animation yeah. from the early on. Icebox.com, look it up, everybody. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying that like I wonder if the video game people were finally like no, and he finally like listened. Like all right, all right. Yeah. But it was more like Spumco's history after Ren and Stimpy is pretty weird. Just like this, these yeah. really odd work for hire, and like you needed to be like an auteur to hire John Kay because most people, most people who wore ties in creative fields, were like, "Fuck that guy, we're not working with him." <laughs> but he can make a Bjork video or a Tenacious D video, sure. uh, or I can. Some of the stereotypes that I saw live on in Japan much longer than they should have. I can see why they hired John K. <laughs> Draws very sexy ladies for no mm-hmm. reason. And yeah, he does a lot of that in this too. Yeah. There's like a like a billboard of one of his characters that just says like "drink milk," and she's got like these just ginormous 3D boobs that just bounce up and down, and they're part of the level uh-huh. geometry. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. 
Great. Uh, that's really going to piss off your dad. Let it go, John. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have to <laughs> labor exclusively in Canadian music videos. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's it's weird to discover GoGo Hypergrind, and then again that there are all these like Japan only games that Spumco worked on that will never see the light of day in the U.S. Right. But anyway, let's move along to someone not disgraced. Number four. Yeah. This is. Do you? I think so. All right, what is it? Is it Lion King? No. Uh, oh. Similar theme, though, in that it's Pitfall the Mayan Adventure. Oh. A kind of forgotten Pitfall revival uh, that came out for Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, as as this commercial so helpfully points out. Introducing Pitfall, the jungle adventure video game from Activision. Just a reminder, not everyone wins. Pitfall, the Mayan adventure for Sega Genesis and Super NES from Activision. Activision. Man, that, Activision. Was, a, that was a franchise that was like kind of dead before I was like paying attention. I was, was going to say, Michael, is there a... A pitfall revival that's not kind of forgotten. Like, <laughs> there there are list. even more forgotten ones, like in the <laughs> NES era. I think, yeah, pretty but pretty remember, much I every remember, pitfall game that isn't pitfall is forgotten. I remember mm-hmm. being perturbed, you know, when I'm reading the most game magazines. Like there were pitfall ads, like every seven seconds, and like, yeah. what is with? Is anybody anticipating this pitfall game? And then I only the last like five years, I went back. Pitfall was fucking huge. And oh yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was it was massive and like it's it's on that is it Saturday morning Supercade is it part of that I think it I think it is it's it had a Saturday morning cartoon representation so did Kangaroo so maybe that's nothing to crow about because I remember that because like they created characters in the cartoon show the Pitfall people were just like fuck it we'll we'll add them into the next game and no none no Japanese developer would do any such thing yeah the Pitfall of my adventure uh, did do a bunch of stuff that it was popular in the original Pitfall like. The pits themselves that would open and close as though they're breathing, and you'd have to wait for them to close up, and then it's like, okay, now it's safe to just run over it. There's a lot of climbing, a lot of descending vines like a corkscrew, a lot of whipping rocks at monkeys to kill them. And this this game was part of, like, a minor boom in cell animation. I think, like, you can point to Earthworm Jim and one of the later games on this list as, as good examples. But, uh, so the animator that was hired to do this uh well they actually activision hired croyer films to do the character animations croyer films run by bill croyer who is famous for having done i'm looking at wikipedia right now he's one of the main animators for the cgi sequences on tron he worked on the fox and the hound he left disney and did animal olympics and a bunch of other Fucking stuff. Fucking great, so, by the way. So the the animation in Pitfall, the Mayan Adventure, like it is very clearly a cut above a lot of other games at the time. It's very fluid. It's very expressive. It's not utilitarian. It tells you something about the, you know Pitfall Harry Jr. as a character. Uh, he's he's just sort of lanky and awkward and doesn't really know what he's doing, and that right, very much comes through. Totally moves like a Disney cartoon. It is. Yeah, and I was only saying like, what the fuck is this? Because like, I remember seeing the box, and it's just a black box with the word "Pitfall" on it, and it's like that's how big they thought the brand was. 
You don't need to make cool cover arts like yo. It's the no. it's the nineties. You absolutely need to make cool cover art. This <laughs> brand doesn't mean anything to me. No, everyone remembers Pitfall, and I, I to, to be fair, like I do remember everyone when I was a kid who knew about Pitfall. It's like, oh, you've heard? Of, have you heard of Pitfall? It's so much fun. It's so much fun. People always said that it's so much fun. Like same words. Eh, it's no. It's, it's okay. It's the Dark Souls of platformers. Yeah, it's like a side-scrolling platformer that was just super hard. Like Mm. it was really easy to miss jumps and land in a crocodile's mouth. It was that, but like, and I'm not an I'm not an expert, but like the same reason, like Mario Super Mario Brothers was such such a godsend. Like there were so many things happening on screen compared to normal video games, which normal video games there's not that much going on especially on that platform. And you can see enemies and pits and puddles and vines and the characters mm-hmm. are all very distinctive. It looked like there was a it's lot true. going on for the time. If, if for, that, for an Atari game, you're absolutely yeah. right. Like there's a lot more sprites on the screen than you were used to. Like I'm, I'm thinking of games like, was it Outlaw, where it's like literally two stick figures shooting mm-hmm. these square bullets at each other. Yars Revenge, like, where you play as a goddamn dot in, in a two-color yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so, yeah, compared with other Atari games, it's like, oh, shit, yeah, I can kind of see... You can see the transition to the NES days. I, I, you know, I really it's think, starting like, to, to become more of that. Part of Mario's visual appeal is that he had a definable face before anybody had really done that before. Just the mustache alone, like, you could see, oh, there's a nose, there's his chin. Just giving mm-hmm. him the mustache defined way more of a facial feature than any other game character before that. Yeah, but you, you were right about an earlier point, though. Pitfall did get a lot of ads. Uh, it got a lot of the same ad, which is weird, to wit. Introducing Pitfall, the jungle adventure video game. Just a reminder, not everyone wins. Pitfall, the mine adventure for Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo Entertainment Systems from Activision. Now, that is identical to the one I played a couple minutes ago, except that it's a different voice. I have no idea what the difference is between these. I couldn't find information about why there are two identical versions of the same ad, except that here's a third one advertising the Windows 95 version. Introducing Pitfall, the jungle adventure game from Activision. Just a reminder, not everyone wins. Now explore dangerous new territories with Windows 95. Pitfall, the Mayan adventure from Activision. Coming soon to Disney DVD. Why is that your tagline, not everyone wins? And it's always accompanied by like a first person POV shot going into a hippo's mouth. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, like I was saying, it's because I think the series at the time was known as like this dark, and not at the time was known as this, but it was it was like known for its mm. difficulty. It was it was known to be like the Dark Souls of platformers. It was huh. you're going to die a lot in this game. Like that's what they did. I probably played the original Pitfall for like I would say somewhere between fifty seconds and two minutes. Uh, that's about but, enough time to get the, the a feel for the entire game. Yeah, I, I saw found. most of everything they had to offer. Yeah. So, uh, so when this came out, I'm assuming mid nineties, right? Like, yeah, it did. And, and the fascinating thing I love about Croyer, Animal Olympics is a really great movie. I think you'd see the whole thing on YouTube. I put several mm. clips on my YouTube channel, on our YouTube channel, just because it was so abandoned, and it, I thought it was such a cool film. It was supposed to be released with the Summer and Winter Olympics back when uh, those were separate. Wait, they're still separate. But, uh, well, fuck, there was a historical reason we missed one of the Olympics, so the second part didn't get aired. It came out, oh, not in theaters, but it was supposed to air on NBC. It's a really cool animated product. And then 
uh, Steve Lisberg and Croyer went and pitched uh, Disney on Tron. So they're like outsiders pitching projects to Disney, and part of that was computer animation, and everybody internally at Disney hated these guys, said you were going to ruin our industry, and they were wrong for 20 years. But but <laughs> Tron's legacy, god damn it, Disney, oh uh, boy. Uh, <laughs> didn't end up paving the, a new way for animation, so it's fascinating to see what this guy does instead of being a traditional animator. Because that's what his background is. But he helped mm-hmm. he helped pioneer non Disney animation, pioneer computer animation, and pioneer uh, video game animation. It's fucking interesting. And he contributed his talents to this game, which was pretty good for its time. It was also one of the first games that hid like the original as an Easter egg that you could find. Oh wow! Like there, there's uh, if you look for like the pixelated scorpion for the first game, I think you can find it for the first time in level four. And then there's like a couple things you need to do to unlock this secret exit that lets you just play the original Pitfall right there on on Super Nintendo emulated, or you can you can do like a, uh, I think you you hit a button combination that includes hitting A twenty six times. Guys, get it? Atari twenty six hundred. I get it. Yeah, and uh, and I I just I wanted why they had so many commercials. I would bet mm. because mm. this is made by a you know, real no shit animator. Yeah. In a time where game magazines were where we got where we got all our information, this didn't look good in screenshots. There's no you'd have mm. to have someone describe it to you. The animation is lush, they'll say in a single sentence, but like you have to see yeah. it to believe to know why it's it looks better than a traditional 16-bit game. And yeah, I would run the shit of these commercials if I were Activision at this point. Like we paid we paid out the out the note, and, and all its flaws won't show up in motion because <laughs> mm. all they have to rely on is screenshots, previews, and the eventual review, which was uh, it's kind of middling, wasn't it? Yeah, it's you know sevens, eights, seven, eight out of ten, somewhere in that that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's but the fine. reason that, the reason I brought up the when it came out is this is like only a few years after Bobby Kotick bought. Activision mm. on the cheap. So it's very much in Activision sort of experimental years where they're like, hey, we have all these this IP. What should we what should we try to release? You know? And and I think it's kind of telling that they did this and then they didn't do another one for I guess until PlayStation days. Like there it, it was a we while. Have, we have all this IP reboot. and like yeah. IP by IP do you mean game franchises whose name describes the lead character or what the game is? Right, like all yeah, these yeah. One, one word IPs. But yeah, so it, it was like them trying to find their feet and, and identity as a as a publisher. So yeah, yeah. and then and then learning in order to move forward, we must abandon our IP mm. just rapidly and, exponentially. And attach well, yeah, attach themselves to Tony Hawk. Yeah. you know the likes of or Call yeah. of Duty or Cabela Buck Hunter. And but then, well, even and, before that, it was you know, Activision sort of got reestablished on the back of Spider Man. Yeah. You know, yeah, like they, 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 were, they, they were, became the yeah, licensed yeah. publisher the for a previous while. generation. They were like the last people making movie tie-in games. Yeah, they, them and THQ. Yeah, those, like, the, yeah it was, that uh, was it. Some Transformers games, but they had a little bit more power there. But like your Men in Blacks and Ghostbusters, like that all those all came from Activision. But I love I love the story of someone like like if I was doing a thing that wasn't about video games, the people who who left Disney and what they did. And Croyer, mm. not unlike John Kay, but not disgraced. And I don't know much about the guy, but like, seemed like, yeah, he'll, he would 
do anything, try any medium, like uh, like innovate in the field, rather than be like, ah, just ink and paint, that's all I need. And like, no, man, he's doing all this stuff with computers and had been since the early 80s. Neat. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, P- Pitfall did not leave as much of an impact as it maybe should have for you know, all the, the promotion it got. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but really good animation, but not quite as good as... Number three! What it is, is there's more worlds out there than this one by you. There's what you might call parallel worlds. See, they're like worlds along by the side of your one. And one of those worlds is my world. That's right, a whole nother world. Another world? That's quick you are. And I, that is the Lord High Lord of the Fairies, the reason I'm mm. by her in this world of viewers, well, it's because there's a proper bad apple trying to upset the peace of both our worlds, see? Shaddaa, the dark djinn his name is, and what he did was he took over people's hearts and spread war and ruin all over our world. Tried to stand up to him, I did, and he turned me into a flipping doll and kicked me out of our world and into you as the rotter. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to go, go to sleep. One of that great reaction at the end. Uh-huh. I want to go to sleep. What was that about? Oh. That was that a, was Nino Cooney, man. Yeah, that was a very Welsh accent. Uh, oh wait, that's where I got the uh, the idea because uh, yeah. on thirty twenty ten we pointed out Nino Cooney is ten years old, mm-hmm. and what two yeah. and a half games deep? Um, oh, more than that, more than that. There's uh like six or seven, I want to say what? Nino Cooney games. Really? Um, How? No, there's there's like the remake or the remasters, and then there's a mobile game. There's two mainline games. One of which has been remastered. There was the original DS game that was only in Japan, never got released uh, here. There was yeah, Nino Kuni Hotroid Stories, uh, released for mobile devices in Japan through the Roid Service, whatever the hell that is. I'm looking at Wikipedia the right Roid now. Service? Obviously. You shouldn't the Roid do Roids, service, man. No. Shouldn't, Vince shouldn't, McMahon shouldn't follows this right account. Out. So the <laughs> the what to us is the first Nino Kuni. The first game is actually the third game in the series, oh. technically. Nino Kuni really? Rath. I got an the uncle who worked at Studio Ghibli, and he told me that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, were they always Ghibli? That's. I mean, well, they, that, the last that one, one was. And uh, yeah, no, no, I think I think they were with it from the start, actually, and they they did like the Ghibli created the two D cutscenes that are in the game, of which there are a lot, and they also contributed the character designs. They worked on some of the animation alongside Level Five, the developers of the game. But yeah, continuing, there was Nino Kuni Daibuken Monsters, another mobile game. Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom, that came out on PS4. And then Nino Kuni Cross Worlds, an iOS and Android game in 2021. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a busy little series. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's weird because uh, it reminds me of like a big celebrity, celebrity who does a cameo in your movie but refuses mm-hmm. to do any promotion for it because... Mm. You don't see this anywhere around Ghibli's like website or do they have social media? Yeah. It seems like something well, they'd be against. Looking looking it up, it seems like they took on this project during one of the periods when Miyazaki was retired. Ah, the, and the third uh, or fifth time. It. And so Miyazaki apparently not a big fan of video games. No. And so they, they kind of did, okay, now that he's gone, we can work on this. We don't know what we're doing. Well, we haven't had a hit in a while. What are we going to do? Let's make a video game. I don't know. Uh, that's my impression of Studio Ghibli. It's uh, <laughs> pretty good. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's play a game. It's which, like they're in the room. I can, do a vi- I can do a Miyazaki impression after this. Video Game Apocalypse was a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yes. let's play a game. Which which does Miyazaki hate more, anime or video games? Well, uh, he creates anime, so probably video games. It, it, it's difficult but, to say, but like I, one of the biggest arguments I'd ever been in was in Japan about... Because we went to the Ghibli Museum, and they're mm-hmm. clearly holding out... They At that point, and this is like almost 10 years ago, they're holding out on getting in line with the future. They don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to digitize. Mm-hmm. They don't want to... They're not ready to let Chris Antista climb on the exhibits. They're not very right. thinking in I that regard. I did sneak some camera. Look at our YouTube <laughs> channel. I did sneak a camera where I wasn't supposed to. But mm-hmm. they, but they, they was also like their rules were based around like let's preserve some magic here and like and and, and the argument I got into with my friend is like they're not hiring new people and they're not diversifying and going into new fields of animation. And people are buying animation and they you have a name and they don't seem to be capitalizing on it. They are now, you can finally, it's only been a couple of years since you could even stream Ghibli movies. And that's mm. it, it, like a handful of years. And mm-hmm. if I remember we were in Japan, it's like, yeah, they don't release these streaming because they're $70, $80 a piece on Blu-ray. Oh, that's Lord. how much they fetch in Japan. So if they can import your $30 one, no, we don't want those to exist. So they, they must mm. remain expensive. They're a strange company, but as if you haven't seen, like they've worked, they've. I, I didn't. I never put it. I haven't done much research on it, but it, like, it all always lines up with Miyazaki's alleged retirement <laughs> when yeah. they they reach out to a French company to work in a computer animated film or something like mm-hmm. that, or yeah, we're well, going to design some video game characters. But we want to do something a little outside our normal scope. Because I just I just wanted to say before, like, I, for any animators listening. The one, if Charlie's still here, like I, I, when I went to Way Forward to do stuff with Ducktales, a lot of people who worked at Way Forward had all worked at Disney in traditional animation. It's like the same oh, wow. task for the most part, like framing and storyboarding and uh, character design. That all those all are fields that transfer from animation to video games. Completely fine. Yeah. Uh, you can do that as as well. But Ghibli looked like they were going to be a holdout until everyone died. And, or, or the company died, and I. Well, I'm glad to see them do this. I had a, uh, I related it on thirty twenty ten because Jr. is like, yeah, it's a really uncomplicated Pokemon thing, and I'm like, yeah, it is the most complicated demo I've ever played in my life. I don't know how I can prove that. I mean, it's it's a JRPG with Pokemon elements, and the sequel I, I found out it doesn't have the, the you know the Ghibli sticker on the box, yeah. But it does have like a bunch of the same people who worked right. on Nino Kuni from Ghibli are working on this, just not under the Ghibli name. So Nino Kuni Two is also kind of a Ghibli game, but cool. kind of not. But that's why you know the the character designs and all this other stuff are consistent with the first game. So they, they Ghibli is not involved. in the No, second but the people properly. from Ghibli who worked on the first Got one, it. a lot of them are. They they were very deliberate with how they handled that because it was never quite clear. It's like mm-hmm. it, no. it, if you weren't paying attention, I'm not going to say they intentionally misled you, but they you were led to believe it was another Ghibli production because it it looks so similar. And it would mm-hmm. remain a mystery unless you went on YouTube and looked at the credits. But anyway, anyway, yeah. So so Nino Kuni itself is you know the story of a little boy named Oliver who's. Very sad because his mother died. She had a weak heart and, you know, dove into a pond trying to save him after he nearly drowned, crashing his little toy car into it. And 
So his mother dies. He feels immensely guilty about it, uh, cries for three days, and then his crying awakens. It breaks this curse on his doll, which becomes Drippy, the the Lord High Lord of the Fairies. So yeah, it, th this quest is really about grief. Why did you set out on this journey in the first place? Most people wouldn't dream of taking on someone like Shadar. Well, uh, it's my mom. I have to save her. Your mother? Uh, yeah. She, she died saving my life. But Mr. Drippy says there's a way to help her oh, here Drippy, in this world. not Drippy. Boo. Michael got it. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's Drippy. Man. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Drippy you're the right, Fairy King is a great TikTok name, by the way, kids. <laughs> drippy the Fairy King. Uh, and do you have any more Drippy goodness? Because I, I love I, hearing the I Drippy do, I, I do, actually. You just witnessed the rebirth of Drippy, Lord High, uh, Lord of the Fairies. Um, who? What, are you deaf who? or something? Drippy, Lord High, Lord of the Fairies, I said, didn't I? Drippy. That's right, and I'm sick to the teeth of you were sniveling and moaning. A proper crybaby bunt in you are. Three days, man. I mean, I've been sad before, but crying for three old days? I'm surprised there's a drop of water left in you. You're a big boy, man. Three days is, well, it's unheard of. Calm down! <laughs> <laughs> it's on yeah, it's Drippy to Rocco, so, Rocco, Rocco. We had one Robin Williams, and that was enough. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say, what Drippy always sounded enough. to me, he sounds a little bit like a combination of Billy Connolly and Alan Cumming. <laughs> like, if those two came together and did a voice, this yeah. is what it would sound like. Well, also, you know, remember mentioned earlier, Ghibli created the 2D animations, the 2D cutscenes uh, throughout the game. Here's one of them. That it sounds, I'm not sure if it's funnier if I tell you what this is before or after you hear it. Um, let's say after. Let's, let's just after. jump into this. You can, you can, uh, let your imagination run wild with this one. Mm. What is the divine aroma? Abo! Your Majesty. It's a bit long. Bountiful Kaulifa. These humble servants come bearing most delicious tribute. Oh, heavens! What a dear sweet child! Bring it to us now, there's a good boy. Please. Uh, huh? You want me to take it to her? Quickly oh. now, young man! <laughs> Bring it to us! Hurry! <laughs> Start slow and then fast! Oh. What the f- oh. Numb. <laughs> was her licking her fingers? Gross, Granny. <laughs> so this is uh, the the Michael. You're fucked up, man. That is a fucked up clip. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. This is the most unshibly clip in the probably the entire game. But it is. Uh, so the, the it's this giant woman, the the cow Leafa. She's like a giant cow lady, and you are bringing her a piece of cheese that's like twice as big as the main characters, and so you have to. Haul it up on onto her body while she's just lying prone, wow. and and slowly walk it into her mouth, and they're just like pushing it all the way into her mouth while she's screaming. Ooh, Wait, ooh, but this is a a cow eating cheese. I know it's even more fucked up. That's so. F I mean, well, it might be goat cheese. You never sounds know. Like it, it sounds like be, it like... should have been from Conker's Bad Fur Day. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> gross. Just the whole setup sounds like something out of Conker's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> Not like. Uh, but yeah, I just like, oh man, no, this is too, this is too evocative. I can't cut any of this. I have to run it at full length. Oh, it was like that <laughs> shit, that <laughs> old JRPG clip said. of that dude putting a crystal in a girl's back. And it's just like five oh. agonizing minutes of like, put it in. I'm trying. Uh, uh. God, I mean, what was that Our game? I'm remembering it. I don't know. Was it one of the Atelier I think so. Iris or yeah, Atelier Riza or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a whole series. Khalifa sounds like she ran a bag at full length. If you know what I mean. Like, uh. <laughs> 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 um. So yeah, that's Nino. <laughs> that's so proud of himself. <laughs> it's a great friend, family friendly game. Uh, I like the sequel better myself, where you play as the the president who gets president. transported into the other world and becomes Han Solo. With a fucking gun. It's so good. It's Ghibli with a gun. That that should have been the only indication we needed that it was not a Ghibli game. (laughs) Finally, Miyazaki. Well, no, wait a second. No, Miyazaki is like one of the biggest gun fetishists. Like, he worked on the Moomin Valley cartoon in the the 60s or 70s, whenever it was, and he got fired. He got his whole studio fired because he kept insisting on putting Moomin into a tank. That guy loves military hardware. He does. The Wind Rises is a great yeah. last movie, and it's all about lusting after military hardware. Oh, totally. Um, anyway, uh, Nino Kuni, it's great. But if we want to talk about games that used traditional animation and and made a big splash doing it, it's hard to think of many that are bigger than number two. That last bit is he's jumping up and down on a camel's hump, making it spit. I um, know. Yeah, I know uh, you know, but maybe I they know. don't know. Uh, what What is this, Chris? Al Haddon. Yes. Disney's Al Haddon. Uh, <laughs> come on down to Al Haddon's just off the turnpike. More specifically, uh, the Genesis's size Al yes. Haddon. Yeah. And I forget how the story starts, but... Um, Capcom made their Aladdin, which we mm-hmm. all know now is a better game. But in commercials, this looked like the movie, which yeah. was insane and like thought to be impossible in the Genesis. Yeah, well, there's there's a whole thing that uh, Virgin, the publisher, teamed up with Disney, and they use their animators to actually like you know create cells. You know, uh, there's a documentary of it I found on YouTube. I have no idea where this comes from, but I'll let it explain. You're looking at what Time Magazine calls the most beautiful video game ever made. It's great because it was built unlike any other. The game is the end product of the first time the world of high tech has joined hands with Hollywood. When the bomb explodes and the bones go flying everywhere, this turban will like hang up in the air and kind of spin around and then land on the ground. A team of more than 10 Disney animators worked on the Aladdin game. They knew how he should move and what he should do in different situations because they are some of the same guys who did the animation for the movie. Yeah, so not just Disney animators, the movie animators who are already very familiar with animating Aladdin. Yeah, and that's super important, and they would make only a handful of games with this team because, you know, it turned out it was a little meaningless but like i don't think so because um just in terms of games characters not only in terms of being like not very fluid they were 
sort of stagnant and whereas like mm. something about Aladdin like I feel like blew up the brain of Genesis idol animation the idea that you could have a character do do more things than just go left and right and react in all these different ways and Aladdin has so many sprites so many sprites oh, yeah. and it's 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 because mm-hmm. it's not that programmers couldn't think about that because I remember when Michael were you on that retronauts we were doing about punch out where like that was the first time Nintendo had like drawn a character before like pre-drawn a character and then tried to map it as opposed to like whatever we can program and have it look like mm. we want these characters to be drawn first they drew them on like dot matrix printers because to get in a, get them in a bit form but that technology was always there and no one really was utilizing it but yeah hiring an- animators to give those little tiny flourishes that cartoons have especially yeah. theatrical animation has made this game it to this day looks amazing looks amazing well i i, I mean i think it's it's not just concerns of programming and stuff like that. It's that the size of the medium, like yeah. you're talking floppy disks no, and no, cartridges, like there was not a lot of room to store a lot of frames of that, animation. That's why I'm, that's why I'm if saying there was, like video, you could use that to make more levels. Video game designers content. could have done that, but like by prioritizing it, by putting, because I'm yeah. sure a couple of these guys like didn't know anything about games, but like Aladdin needs to do this. Sorry. Like mm-hmm. he's got to do this. Yeah. He's got to behave exactly like he does in the movie, which is he carries a sword at all times and he murders everyone he sees. That's, <laughs> he really abuses a lot of camels. Yeah, yeah. So in, in other words, it's just like being in the movie. The gameplay mirrors faithfully the storyline that Disney created for the movie. Um, every theme that was incorporated in the movie has a counterpart within the game. So you are essentially in movie you heard the guy this game literally puts you in the movie literally you are within the movie your physical body is transported to the land of agrabah it was close because you could say some of capcom's elements were like was this game designed based on the trailer because not a lot of it has a ton to do with aladdin but it's like you know they get the big beats in there but this is like every little scene change you kind of play through that and I, I love that even like there's a a cameo of Beast in the Sultan's figures, and that's like added in to the Genesis version of Aladdin to show Ooh. you how much it, that they oh, included neat. the Easter egg from the movie into the video game that like I didn't notice for years. So Fucking so cool. talk to me about the process here because like it's saying okay I know I know the story that this is like the first hand animated game. Was it like um, Donkey Kong Country, where there, it's actually just JPEGs that are moving at that point, or was it still pixel, like true pixel stuff? Like, I, I mean, I, yeah, no, I think I think that yeah, it was scanned drawings that were then yes. rendered in pixels. Which I, I I think, like Donkey Kong Country, it kind of plays like a flash game, like a thing mm. dragged and moved over its environment, whereas the Capcom game doesn't. The, Mm-hmm. Character is much more yeah, a feels, part of the levels. Yeah, it feels more present in the world. Somehow. Yeah, and, and, and they, like, and I, I sold my Nintendo to get this game, my Super Nintendo to get this wow, game. Wow, and uh, in hindsight, it was it was a big it. deal at the time. Yeah. And then you know, yeah, I didn't I didn't get to play it until years afterward, and it's like, wow, this does not age well at all. Well, you can play it. There's what's funny. Uh, so Capcom must have licensed it out or given the rights. So there's that Digital Eclipse collection, which is this version of yep. the game 
mm-hmm. with the Lion King. And then there's a DLC pack, though, that adds yeah. the Jungle Book game and then the Capcom edition yeah. of Aladdin as well. So you can play mm-hmm. both in the same bundle, but only if you buy the DLC. Because so I think all this was from Virgin, except for the Capcom game. So that probably needed a separate licensing deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it was a Jungle Book game. And there is a Pinocchio game that is beautiful. Fucking awesome. Yeah. plays just like that. Uh, well, and because it's Virgin, you know who did the music? Tommy Tallarico? Yes. And <laughs> in, in, in kind of a similar process, I was reading to the animation, the audio isn't just MIDI. He, like, scanned, he, he recreated the MIDI on the channel that they normally use samples for the Genesis, like voice samples, so that it sounded more like the real movie audio versus just a MIDI track, which who knows if that succeeded based on what we heard there. I I mean, uh, yeah, I think the proof is in the pudding here. Oh, yeah. That sounds like (laughs) MIDI to me. Just like the movie. Uh, Prince uh, Miko is he? I'm surprised (laughs) they didn't do this for Sega CD. Yeah, Maybe that is a little did. bizarre because th- this yeah. is a huge get for Sega. They had a yeah. very weird exclusive license uh, for Western develop, like for Western developed sixteen bit games. Whatever, it wasn't exclusive, but there were certain versions of games that were like kind of they looked better on Genesis. But it wasn't. I don't think it was until they incorporated like the animators to give those little tiny flourishes in between movements, which this mm. game totally it's it's super impressive and it was like. It, these people, it's shiny, isn't it? Like the people who went on to become the Earthworm Jim folks. And they realized like, well, we don't need the Disney license or any of these other fucking things that are keeping us from making a game. And Earthworm Jim is basically Aladdin. Like everything learned from Aladdin. That's why it, it looks like a playable cartoon. And, yeah. and, and and that kind of, you know, I wouldn't want to say overstated its well because it didn't get, it didn't get copied very much. Because uh, it's kind of a painstaking process that no, that can't be appreciated until you see it. So if you don't have a fucking TV commercial budget, there's there's no point in wowing anybody with it. Yeah, that's right. So Dave Perry of Shiny had not only worked on Aladdin but also Cool Spot, yeah. another game that had oh shit, yeah, really impressive animation mm-hmm. and was way more fun than an advert game deserved to be. Yeah. And also has an amazing soundtrack that you may occasionally hear somewhere. <laughs> hmm. Possibly. I like Cool Spot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Earthworm Jim, another game that used uh, cell animation. I just didn't want to talk too much about the creator on it. No, no, I get it. But it, it, it's yeah. it, it, it's it, it's a forge in Aladdin. Like the, the possi- mm. They see the possibilities there. And we don't have to pay a Disney license. And we don't have to pay addition- 10 Disney animators to work on this. Mm. We're artists. We could always do this. We just oh, yeah. we didn't realize the possibilities. That guy's got 10 nipples, though. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't like to talk about Dougie Ten Nipples uh, <laughs> or Ten Apples. However you want to mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. interpret. Uh, he let's wants get to play back the Capcom to... version. <laughs> <laughs> good, it's a good joke for somebody. <laughs> uh, let, let's get back to Aladdin with this great commercial that perfectly captures the zeitgeist. Get this! At school, I found this magic lamp, and I wished for Disney's Aladdin for my Sega Genesis. It's like the movie. I got to battle sword slashing thieves and nasty palace guards and ride a flying carpet. And I still have two more wishes. Prove it. (laughs) Sega Genesis and Disney's Aladdin game cartridge each sold separately. 
He proves it by turning one friend into a dog and then the other friend into a fire hydrant. I know, but it's still like that 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 is burned into my memory. I wanted this so fucking bad. I yeah. love Aladdin so much. So much. You know, Jeffrey Katzenberg approved that commercial, by the way, because it was in the contract that he had to approve all marketing materials. Why so Katzenberg make, bless that. Wow. Why make so much work for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and then get blamed for most of it. Oh, mm. oh man. Well, well, let's let's land this thing with Uh, that is a scene from what game? Dragon's, Dragon's Lair. Lair. Dragon's Lair, a fantasy adventure where you become a valiant knight on a quest to rescue the fair princess from the clutches of an evil dragon. You control the actions of a daring adventurer finding his way through the castle of a dark wizard who has infected it with treacherous monsters and obstacles. I can hear some of you out there saying, wait a minute, you guys fucking hate this game. And you're right, I do. Uh, however, I don't, I, I don't hate it. I, no. I, I, I hate playing it. Um, I hate the game part of the game. I, I like, the, I like yeah, the idea yeah. of it. Yeah, you can, you can watch the game on YouTube. It's, yeah. it's, it's literally the only game you can, like, it's the same thrill of playing. Yes. Well, when, yes. when you played the first clip, too, like, you, I always forget the game gets interrupted by those stupid beeping noises saying mm -hmm. you got a command right or wrong. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like you're ruining this animated movie for me. So, and I'm, I'm giving this to the quote-unquote Dragon's Lair trilogy, which is Dragon's Lair Space Ace and Dragon's Lair 2. Uh, because I think this is, even though this is like lavish animation disguising a very bare bones series of quick time events, uh, this is the purest expression of what we're talking about. This is an animator who made a game like Don Bluth made this game, animated the whole thing, uh, was heavily involved in its creation and, uh, you know, saw this new opportunity that's like, I can bring a new level of visual realism to video games that yeah. doesn't exist. So, and, you know, figured it out with laser discs and, um, yeah, it came from cinematronics, a game maker who had previously kind of made their name with vector graphics who were all like kind of about like visual gimmicks. And mm -hmm. the laser disc technology was yet another visual gimmick. Like, uh, and, and and just the idea of in the early '80s, even thinking you could pull this off fast enough, yeah, it is, it's kind of amazing. yeah, it's astonishing, and it's it it speaks to like I, I don't know, probably where Don Bluth was at like he is an a theatrical level animator without a home, and mm. sorry, like I love I love hearing stories about people who quit Disney to do this and that, and like. He's not part of Bill Melendez, but Bill Melendez went on to make Peanut Specials, which was not Disney-esque animation, but like found his way. Really? Don Bluth mm -hmm. always made Disney-esque animation, and, yeah. and and finding different ways to do that, and like who he partnered up with, and like how that fizzled out periodically. Like I, I, I think he had the most impressive run of any animation auteur in any medium. Uh, yeah, I, I really do. 
so Don Bluth did Fievel movies, yeah, right? Yeah, did, American he, Tale, please. American, okay, and he he did not do Anastasia. He did. Right? He oh, he did. did. Anastasia, okay, he did and then right. and then bowed out with Titan A.E., a fucking fantastic movie that nobody saw. Yeah. Fine movie. All all three movies you could easily mistake as Disney yeah. movies. Like that's sort yes. of his hallmark. If the, if there's a movie that you have mistakenly thought was a yeah. Disney movie, that's because Don Bluth was involved yeah, with the production. Was, he was that kind time. of the best thing Disney had going in the late '60s, early '70s. He was. If you've ever seen yeah. Small One around Christmas, it's a great Disney thing. That he he. I think the only thing he directed, like a sole director credit on. I can't believe you guys haven't mentioned Secret of Nim, which is like oh, the quintessential yeah. Oh, yeah. creepy '80s fantasy movie. It's like yeah. it's right up there with the Dark Crystal for like this is awesome, but it's creepy as fuck. It's raw nightmare fuel. This still be children's yeah. entertainment. I like. I, I, I he played. He's a much more like calm dude, and I meant mm-hmm. to I haven't watched the documentary about him yet, but um, he had a lot of bones to pick with Disney, and part of it was like. You know, don't. You can scare kids. You can scare kids. Yeah, kids <laughs> like to be scared. Kids like honestly. to be scared. It's part of growing up. Like, yeah. parents don't like to see their kids scared. You're confusing those complaints of something that's like. He's. This is my words, not his. You're confusing mm-hmm. parents' complaints. Of course, it's sad. It's sad to see your kid sad. It's sad to see your kid scared. Doesn't mean it's not like part of growing up. And like, all these movies left indelible marks on me because of like how much emotion they brought out of me. And Dragon's Lair does the opposite, and instead, like, <laughs> well, it does it does service a certain emotion, which is rage, frustration. Well, well, well at the time, at the t- well, and I say at the time, like I was one when this game came out, mm-hmm. but uh, wanting to see fluid action along the lines of uh, a Disney film, like, and it's not gratuitous, it's not it's not uh, graphic violence, but like mm-hmm. slashing of tentacles and like. Beating up a skeleton, like that's all yeah. stuff Disney wouldn't really show. It's in the Dragon's Lair games. It's fucking cool. I think it's interesting that Dragon's Lair is like if you watch much media at the time, you get the sense that uh, like media at the time that depicts drag or, or the vid- video games, you get the sense that Dragon's Lair is sort of like how people who didn't play video games imagined video games. Like Maybe. that it's it's like a you know a cartoon you can play Maybe, uh, but you, but you, but you know it was it was when you were a little kid it was how you imagined yeah, but, the video game you wanted to play yeah exactly but the thing is that um, the game is very enticing but it's also incredibly confusing because you will die immediately because you don't know it's not immediately clear what you're supposed to do this is a game you're supposed to win by trial and error so you'll die immediately. And then in, in the first Dragon Slayer, this, the scene would then shift to something different. So you would die again, not knowing what you're supposed to do. And like, there was always that element of confusion. You're like, wait, did I, did I win? Did I advance anyway? Cause I'm, I'm onto something else now. Oh no, I died again. And it would, it would randomize shit so that you could never memorize a sequence of like, okay, this scene, I, I hit right, I hit down. I hit the sword button, I jump to the left, etc. Like, you had to come at everything fresh. It is a 20, it's like a 15-minute DVD game. Yeah. Meant to and, kill you, and like, man, it, it cost so much money back in the day. Like, that, Yeah, and, and you, you spent your dollar or whatever it was, and you just assumed that, uh, like, well, I must not be very good at this game then. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm out of quarters. Well, I, I, I quite enjoyed it popping up in Stranger Things, because mm. I wasn't there... 
but I was there for like something like Time Traveler, which was $2 a play. Oh, man. However, mm, watching somebody else play it was just as thrilling. I'm watching mm-hmm. this. And you have to imagine back then, like, people don't have VCRs. Like, the idea of being able to see animation over and over again at your will, you might die on purpose to entertain your friends. Will, if you're a rich kid, we'll throw another dollar in the machine just to see more animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and every time I hack one of my arcade things, I like I love loading up the Dragon's Lair intro because it's so enticing. And it was yeah. it was dead by the time I was going to arcades. Like it like they were throwing mm-hmm. away Dragon's Lair machines. Now now that you mention it, I think this at least Dragon's Lair two I know for sure was one of or maybe the first game I ever saw priced higher than just a quarter. It's like, oh no, that game takes a full dollar yeah. to play. Like yeah, yeah. that was unheard of to me at the time. Like because even the original Dragon's Lair I used to play it at my local Ferrell's ice cream parlor. Uh, and yeah, I th- maybe that was 50 cents. Like it was more than the other games wow. and it felt worth it because it looked, it was just light years ahead of how everything else looked. And as a kid, I was a little kid. I didn't know the difference. Like I didn't really care that the gameplay wasn't as great because to be honest, a lot of those arcade machines, the gameplay was pretty repetitive anyway. So it's like, you know, yeah. but I, I just remember like if you it, pick... You have to, like, try to put yourself back then. Like, picture a lineup of games, right? You have, like, Dig Dug, Pac-Man, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden this game. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is, one of these things is not like the others. You know, it's yeah. it's a fucking cartoon like, like that you Mappy just so happen to be able to play. the same year. And, like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, well, you, you, would, you would think, maybe not unlike looking at the CD era of video gaming, like, uh, this, is, this has to be the futures of, of video games. It looks so good. But we know we know better now. Yeah. Well, I mean, my my first memory of this. So I knew about Dragon Slayer because there was a Dragon Slayer Saturday morning cartoon yes. with Dirk yeah. the Daring. Oh, he's so cool, Dirk the Daring. And so I was on like a trip uh, across the Cascade Mountains in Washington with my parents, and we went to this this restaurant on the road, and they had a Dragon Slayer machine. I'm like, oh, it's Dirk the Daring! It's Dirk the Daring! And so my dad, for whatever reason, decided he was going to play it, you know, put in his dollar, died immediately. And that's another thing about it. It's not just that it's disorienting because you're dying and then the scene changes, but the the cuts like the screen just goes black yeah. for a few seconds and then it mm. loads your death animation and then it goes black again and now you're doing something else you know like wait am I still playing and then of course you're immediately dead um and and I yeah. I still remember like my dad getting frustrated and leaving and I was like but it's Dirk the Daring it's Dirk the Daring and my mom was like well his game doesn't work very well honey <laughs> oh uh well, five out of ten honey like, yeah <laughs> what's funny is I'm realizing as you say that it's like. That was the CD or, you know, the laser disc loading. Yeah, yeah we, exactly. We didn't have any exposure to yeah. laser discs no. by that time. So yeah. we didn't know there was a load time for yeah. laser discs. Like it had to literally, it is a digital record player that has to find yeah, the I, track with the laser. Yeah, and I think right? as a real young kid, I didn't know how they were doing it. Like I thought, like, how are they making this actual video game? We, if you're listening to this and 10 years younger than us, like you grew up with awful awful disney dvd games there they were in every pre-blu-ray disney dvd game you'd press up down left right enter to play a game on your dvd player and they've all loaded faster than the original dragon slayer yeah and and i will say the dragon slayer i think was like for whatever reason it seems to be the favorite whenever this gets brought up i think it was hugely surpassed by the games that followed it uh like you know they 
they were more coherent. They had more, they had actual dialogue. They had clear plots. They weren't as confusing. And uh, my, my favorite is probably Space Ace, where you play as a beefy Flash Gordon-style space yeah. hero who gets sapped with the Infanto Ray and periodi periodically turns into a gawky, nerdy, teenage version of himself. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of love the dialogue here. Kimberly, come in. Are you okay? Oh, sure. I'm just kidnapped by aliens, that's all. I'll save you, Kimmy! Get me out of here! It's just like, you know, super expressive Don Blood, like, Oh, I'm all over the place! I'm Dexter! <laughs> Call me Ace! It, it's amazing, and I love that, like, given the nature of how it was released, it's like the most ubiquitous game ever. Mm. It's been, I think has to have some kind of record for being released on the most platforms at this point. Dragon Slayer? Yeah, yeah, it can probably. go to it can go oh, to iOS, yeah. it can go to HD DVD. <laughs> it's, it, it's it it had uh games that I would describe as loose adaptations made for like every like Commodore 64, uh NES, Super Nintendo. Oh, those were so the, bad. Those are yeah. I, I don't know if those were better or worse cuz they're like more traditional games but they suck yeah well the nes one i will say like the dirk the daring sprite was pretty impressive like it was really big for an nes sprite and it moved beautifully i can't really speak to the quality of the game around it it seemed pretty fucking basic the amiga version i know was like a pixel art version of like it was pretty close adaptation of the laser disc oh just trying to yeah. approximate yeah, like with, it, with it a much pretty, lower it, bit rate. It's basically like this is the same animation. We're just uh, down resing yeah. it for the the Amiga. It's three and a half p. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and, shout out to uh, Dragon's Lair 3D though. Like that one mm. was a real game that actually looked like the original yeah, and sucked. was decent to yeah, play. Was, you know. yeah. But uh, Dragon's Lair two, I think, had m some of the most imaginative level design. Um, you know, there's a bit where you are transport like dirk becomes tiny on beethoven's harpsichord or whatever and uh the opening level is just you trying not to be killed by your viking mother-in-law ah! mm -mm. kidnapped by deathly kidnapped again idiot Don't talk. you better Yeah, all those t -t 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 is like she's throwing something at you that you then have to dodge or you die. You're on a horse, right? You're like riding away. Toward in. the yeah. end, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad she brought up a certain someone named Daphne because some mm -hmm. people grew up and had Jessica Rabbit. Oh. Others, namely mm -hmm. furries, uh, had Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. Some people born of a certain generation had Princess Daphne. Yeah. Uh, that is all I will say. Just if you don't know what she looks like, go look her up and yeah, you'll know Peach, exactly Peach what I'm it. talking about. I thought you were going to mention what I think is lovely. Uh, not a lot of games utilize the Laserdisc technology, but the Laserdisc emulator, which always needs a lot of work, but it's a mm. passion project, is called Daphne. Huh. Uh, nice. Named after Daphne from Dragon's Lair in order, in order to get it to work. And whenever I load up my arcade machines, I'm like, do you want... <laughs> do you want arcade games or Daphne games? And it's just like all, like half these games have Daphne in them. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think she's a she's a deuterotagonist. Like, a, isn't she yeah, yeah. playable at some point? I don't well, think so. No, she's she's always the damsel in those games. Um, well, Daphne though showed me. So, in addition to having a side where he liked to scare kids, um, 
Don Booth, Booth had had a horny side. Oh yeah, sure. Well, he he wants games that'll make money in arcades, and you know when he was making games, arcades were filled with teenagers. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's a backlash from having a... to work at Disney. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, let <laughs> never got to draw a boob at Disney. Let a mass walkout or something or other during Fox and the Hound took a bunch of people with them, and they flourished for mm-hmm. like uh, a decade in in like any industry they could find. It's fucking fascinating, and and um. Mm-hmm. What was the the only other things I think I, I know I've mentioned before? One, the uh, arcade one up version. I remember when it came out. And arcade one up, just so you know, you can't update those games. Like they, most of the new ones run on like an Android platform. So if there's an error, they'll release a patch and you can update it. And like one of them was running pretty slow, and they were like, "What fucking fucking forty year old game doesn't run at the right frame rate?" And then like somebody from arcade one up was like, "Look, we actually." This isn't an existing ROM. We, since HD technology has existed, they have released pan and scan widescreen versions of Dragon's Lair on DVD and iOS. We are the mm-hmm. only HD full screen uh, version. So it's a brand new ROM that's never existed before. But it is the most authentic and it is in HD. And you can't get it anywhere but Arcade wow. 1 Up. I think that's fucking crazy. Damn. You want to hear a little bit of trivia? I was just looking up Don Bluth because I'm like, what happened to this he guy? Um, do you know the last game he what? worked on? What? Tapper World Tour from 2011. It is. Oh my gosh. Go look up the animation. It is like, yeah, like Root Beer Tapper, but with Don Bluth animation. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I hope he's oh, happy because I know he, like, he's directing like local theater in whatever town he decided to settle in and. Animation's a weird game that involves hundreds of millions of dollars, usually, and I don't know. Love the guy. I love everything he's put out, even the stuff that doesn't work is still fascinating. He he did a short in 2019 starring yeah. Carrie Elways as one oh, of his voices. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he, he's a very creative person, and um, yeah, like like that he exists, and I like that Dragon's Lair exists. Uh, I I hope. I don't know what. If there's any future for this franchise, other than, you know, legacy releases. Hard to imagine, honestly. Someone, someone's bound to try to revive it. It's gone through mm-hmm. so... It's it's like Pitfall, right? Like, it, it, it'll it come back in some form. Yeah. Cell yeah, shade we, that shit. Where, where, where we've been now, we've seen a lot of games that are very close to playing a cartoon, but there's still, when you watch, like... A three, like a like a twenty frame scene of Dirk swinging his facial expressions. It changed so much that you can't really do in a three D object. You could. It's just complicated, and no one will notice it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the successor is to this. Show me that, Dragon's sort of, Lair doesn't need to exist anymore. I would love someone to do that. That's where Dragon's Lair three D fell apart. Is like the little flourishes, the little yeah. nuance of animation was not there. It's like yeah, it's like the cel shaded character, but like. Pretty much his face, facial expressions, pretty. I remember walking up a spire and having arrows shot at me by nobody in a 3D Xbox game, and like, this is more terrible and hard than the original. <laughs> Why is this like this? Uh, didn't like it. Mm. All right. Well, bring us full circle. No, sir, I didn't like it. Back to John K. Gross. Like. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a little break. That's been our top five. Hope you liked it. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Shoes, you're going out. I've no time to lose. It's your 
Let's get scratching. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. There was no internet in 1980. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to find people's reactions to Empire Strikes Back because... Yeah, it's the it's the twist, man. What was it? What was it when people walk out of theater? How were people talking about this? And it's... One, it's really weird. The only cool record we have of this is Starlog Magazine allowed people to write in. And you can find those on archive.org. And that remains the closest thing we have to a comment thread about Empire Strikes Back when it comes out. But what we did have was wonderful, wonderful news stories. They have audience reactions of people coming out of the theater. Although the critics are disappointed, consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. <laughs> Didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. Get fucked, lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. And welcome back to our final segment, where we're just going to jump straight into... big buildup this week only colossal cave speaking of big buildup <laughs> i was gonna say there's two of the best games i've ever played and you're gonna bring up colossal cave <laughs> only a game 50 years in the making or roughly that well it's it's interesting that like so colossal cave adventure is like one of the first ever text adventures like playable before there were personal computers on on mainframe computers at universities and it like began as just like this guy who was a spelunker trying to map out his favorite cave, which is like an actual cave, colossal cave in I'm I'm not sure. I, I want to say Colorado or Utah. Nope, I'm gonna say Maine. Gotta make you Google sure. it right now because you never trust. I mean, me. God damn it! Uh, yeah, if you had to ask me, who would name a cave literally colossal cave? Utah or Maine yes. would probably be the two first. This states is the biggest cave I've ever seen, and I've never been on a plane. Probably Utah because they literally named it. Salt Lake. <laughs> What's that lake? Well, that lake's full of salt water. That is the Great Salt Lake. It's Arizona. I knew it. I knew it. Ah, uh, the people who almost elected Carrie Lake. I yeah. see. <laughs> and and then it <laughs> it's it started out just as like you know it's it's virtual spelunking, and then people started adding monsters and story and quests to it, and uh, so Colossal Cave is. A reimagining slash remake in 3D of that original adventure, and it is helmed by Ken and Roberta Williams, the founders of Sierra, the creators of King's Quest. Roberta Williams mainly, I think, is credited as the cover star of, of Leisure Suit Larry. Roberta Williams. Yeah, well, no, yeah. cover star of Soft Porn Adventure. They were both. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but- Good looking lady. Yeah, but they they came back uh, on stage during the Game Awards to yeah to to show this off and um, so it, it is out for better or worse. I have 
no idea if it's going to be any good. I have, you know, high hopes because Roberta Williams, but at the same time, like, I'm not real impressed by the trailers I've seen. So we'll, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. I'll keep an open mind. Was the last thing she did Phantasmagoria, or is that just one of the ones she's more well-known That for? might, like, now no. I'm, I'm thinking about, well, it might have been the last game that she herself designed. Mm. And, I, and I think, yeah, she and Ken were just sort of like, you know, became publishers entirely after that and you know just paid people to make games rather than making games themselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh and now they're back years after selling off sierra so um but yeah also persona 3 portable and persona 4 golden there it is both hitting current gen yeah and and they're going to be on game pass that's exciting that's they incredible. are on game pass yeah and yeah these are these are both made by Sega, so I work for Sega. I got to mm-hmm. say that here. But Persona 4 Golden is, is a game I picked up a few years ago on PC because it had its PC debut on Steam, and I'm like, should I should I play this actually on like Xbox Series X? Maybe I think I might. I think I might play this one. And then Persona 3 Portable is a game I never uh, had a chance to play. That I'm like, you know, if I kind of want to recreate, it was a, what a PSP game, right? Yeah. yeah. I should just play it on my Switch in handheld mode. Like uh, I, it was, we were talking to Tyler Nagata. If people may remember him from his appearances, he's like, "This game is great," and we're working together like you know, ten something years ago. And I throw Persona Three Portable in my PSP, and you know, like ninety minutes later, I'm like, I haven't been able to do anything yet. And then, hmm. and then uh, I got I downloaded Persona Four Golden uh, during a Vita sale. And it sold me on the entire Persona concept. Like, it is, I think it's one of the best remakes of anything I've read about what the original Persona 4 was. This is amazing. Like, Persona 4 is fucking wonderful. It, I mean, to be honest, now that this is available elsewhere and, and since it was on Steam, I'm like, that is. One of the only reasons I had to ever want a Vita yeah. was Persona Folk. Yeah, it's Golden. it's amazing, mm-hmm. and like it, its animated cutscenes are, are just wonderful. It's everything you may if you if you were one of those people who got into Persona from five, like. But it, it for Golden specifically sold me on Persona as a as a franchise. Uh, I was I, I again I gave the previous game over an hour. Uh, Nothing happened. <laughs> like just a lot my, of cutscenes. Well, yeah, my understanding yeah. is three. I so I don't work on these games, um, but like my understanding is three was very much more of a visual novel style game, which like and then, and then played, opens up into gameplay. But like it yeah, takes a yeah, long it, do, it does time. have gameplay. It's not just yeah. a visual novel. Well, I think three portable also like the PSP version. I think is considered the best version. It's either that or Persona Three FES. But then the PSP version also stripped out the cutscenes for memory reasons. So like, you know, I started playing it and it's like, yeah, this is awfully dry. And somebody told me like, oh yeah, no, no, the PS, the original version had more cutscenes and stuff like, oh, that's too bad. But, but, but golden for golden, like, yeah, that might be my favorite pause menu of all time. Hmm. It, it has so many things that I think are absolutely wonderful and instantly made me a fan of the series. So, I had the opposite experience with three. I don't know how that's going to look on yeah. a fucking it's, on an it's, Xbox. It's worth saying these are current gen remasters of portable remakes of PS2 games. Wow. 
So, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh like wow, two layers. But but, of... but golden golden is something special for mm. for golden is it, it, like if you wanted a gateway into the Persona series and you're a Game Pass person, mm. do not hesitate. I swear, like it does. It's not a slow start. It's interesting from the second. It, it's unbelievable. Like I love that game. I would I would love for a Persona fan to kind of tell me their recommended order because I think the first Persona game I started with was five. Like a lot of people. I mean, yeah, what, I mean, what yeah. is the tie that binds them all together? Is it just they all take place during a school well, year? It's like the Velvet Room and Igor, but yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. they're all set in school. Yeah. Um, but it also gives it that Pokemon aspect. Like uh, all the old ones, you do not need to play to catch up with the new ones. But hmm. but Golden in general, its presentation is top notch. It's fucking awesome, and, yeah. and and still very playable. So yeah. Uh, the, Seems like the best way to play those two classic games on modern systems. So give it a shot. Yeah, uh, Fire Emblem Engage. Engage a new a new Fire Emblem. How exciting! Uh, apparently, from what I've read, is somebody said that's like, yeah, this is like the monkey's paw wish of like, man, I like three houses, but I wish there were more just tactical battles. So apparently, it's you know lots more tactical battles, not anywhere near as much story. So, uh, yes, that is a yes Sounds vote good to for me. me then. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. That's what I'm there for. Yeah. Uh, I would, I, I tolerated the story stuff hmm. pretty much because of the stuff it would unlock with the characters for the battles. So, yeah, hmm. if I can avoid all that nonsense, I will. Hmm. All right. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise, uh, Rise, I'm not sure how to Stop pronounce it. this exactly. Matt it's, and uh, I's game of the year from like <laughs> eight years ago. I don't even remember. Uh, it's <laughs> finally hitting, uh, current gen consoles after That's debuting on weird, PC. Man. A while That's gotta ago. be a weird yeah. experience to, to, yeah. to get like a PS3 game on your PS5. <laughs> but. Like, do we know if they're, you know, doing anything with the visuals? I'm sure there's upgrades. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just like the PC did. It's 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 mm. upgraded from the Switch, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we covered, might have been last week or a few weeks ago, unfortunately, there's no, like, cross-save, mm. so you can't transfer your progress uh, over. you got to start from scratch, shame. and that's... I that mean, is a huge bummer. The Switch version, to its credit, is already like one of the best looking Switch games. Like it's yeah. it's hard for me to believe sometimes that this is a Switch game. So, and the little trick I tell people that that rag on Switch's visuals, I'm like, just play it in handheld. Mode. I know, you I know, but it's like, <laughs> like it's it it's looks, like everything. Monster Hunter became a finally a global phenomenon with World, and even when I think we said we got Rise, Matt, there's like this does not look like World. It, it, no, it does not look as nice. And as so it's, it's it's very it, weird because think if you're a big Monster Hunter fan post World and it's just like oh a new Monster Hunter and like what the fuck is this like I I'm, I'm curious to see what the reaction will be. It, but it's it's fundamentally a an amazing game and a big improvement over World uh, in terms of uh, streamlining and presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like. In terms of gameplay, it definitely is like kind of, a, kind of a step forward, I think, from World. And World was a step forward from previous games in terms of streamlining stuff, making it more welcoming to new players. But yeah, it, it is so odd that like they chose to kind of go back a step graphically for the next big game. I, I have no insight in this. I would love to know, like, was this the same dev team? Was it parallel dev teams making these projects at the same time? I'm and gonna, one just I, pro- I would have to guess it's it has something to do with Whatever, some leftover Nintendo exclusivity from the 3DS when they deprioritize the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And here it is now on other platforms. 
That's half of what Capcom does, re-release games. All right. Well, let's move on to... Oh, Michael, I think you were one of the few Stadia subscribers yeah. <laughs> that I knew. Um, and as Sam, you're listening yeah. to this, Stadia itself, the service, is a thing of the past. There's no it's, more. It's getting shut down literally as we record this. Yep. But fear not if you if you were you know one of those people that bought into the full thing and got the controller and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Google is patching sort of the controller to make it a usable yeah. controller. Not oh, only do them. you get your money back for buying it, you get to use it with other stuff with PC yeah. going forward. If you recall the way that controller worked, it was kind of a cool tech thing. Yeah. It connected directly to your Wi-Fi so that mm-hmm. there wouldn't be lag like through your system. Now they are making it just a Bluetooth controller. It'll connect via Bluetooth to whatever device you want. So you can have a wireless PC game controller. That controller, I, I held it a few times. It it's a, feels good. Like It's so funny to me. Yeah. A lot of these generic type controllers, they, they sort of m- copy the Switch Pro controller, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Like You would yep. think they would copy the Xbox Series X controller, but they it, it, to me it always felt like more like a Switch Pro yep. controller. I concur, uh, but it's better than a Pelican. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, don't throw out your controllers. You can still use them. Yeah, a, a you pretty you good have controller. to apply a patch that I think yeah kills the Wi-Fi and and oh Bluetooth. shit really yeah I was gonna say yeah. is there there's no other service that utilizes a Wi-Fi controller and and that's a little weird to me. Like, why would you go to the effort of patching it to kill that Wi-Fi and just enable Bluetooth? Like, why not just leave the Wi-Fi there? Because probably because they don't want people to homebrew stuff. I'm well, guessing. also, like, what devices use Wi-Fi to connect to their... It's true. And, and I, 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 I should have looked into this more because the tech would fascinate me. And if anybody has an answer, you know, Fidget Game Apocalypse Twitter and Laser Time Facebook. But, like, uh, why was that necessary? Like, uh, we have cloud gaming on our Xboxes right now that don't require Wi-Fi control, uh, Wi-Fi mm-hmm. controller. Uh, the input between your television when you're three feet away should not carry enough latency to need need that to be over Wi-Fi. I yeah, I, I mean, they were touting it as just a, a slight advantage. Just you're talking guess, literally yeah, like milliseconds. milliseconds you're shaving yeah. off of lag. Well, that's know? important with stuff like, you know, fighting games. Well, yeah, I, 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 didn't t- I tried out uh, Game Pass Cloud Beta over the week, over the, the break, uh, over the holidays. And it's just like, this is an interesting novelty. It is not quite there yet. You can feel this isn't correct. But we, we loaded up Deathloop and it's just like, holy shit, 60 frames is... 1080p, this looks amazing, but like, just one time. Tiny, 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 tiny millisecond. A frame of delay. Can't do it. You notice you it. You notice yeah. it, yeah. Uh, it's a, and it is one of the last things they released. It's so funny. Like, there was a game released right yes. before the service shut down. Yeah. Uh, Worm game, which is basically, it was like a game they used to test the yeah, service. It was, it was very simple. Yeah, it's just Snake. Yeah, yeah that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's even uh, contractual or a we're throwing all this out. You take it. Yeah, it was like the 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 graphic tile set, whatever it was that it was using. It looked like a Mac game circa nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah. Like, strong Minesweeper from the team here, that brought so. you Snood. 
yeah. here comes the kinda, final kinda. Stadia it's, game. It's not meant to be a game release. I think it really is. Like historically, it's yeah. interesting because it, it enables and, people to document. And it, they released but, it on Friday the thirteenth, so it's like we're giving this less than a week to survive, but people can play it if they're interested. But what's what's interesting to note though is like historians though, there's no way to capture that game. There's no way no. to to download it to save it. You know, it's literally when the service shuts down. Yeah. Other than Google proprietary servers just on, on you know within the company there no one has access that to does that game. suck because yeah. when we research this 10 years from now for one of these stupid episodes top fives it's going to have a fucking weird beardo with bad frame rate and awful audio and that's going to be the only mm-hmm. goddamn record we have this game ever existed it's Four a little bit like satellaview right it'll go in the same pile as nintendo satellaview of like yeah. this thing mm-hmm. that existed yeah. that no one can recreate so we have to imagine that eh, it was probably like this you mm-hmm. yeah um well you know who knows maybe the people who the the employees who uploaded it for everybody to play will find a way to dump it for free online somewhere um yeah, yeah, yeah. Collectors, <laughs> collectors will, and physical archivists will knock that. But I, I still believe in games are experiences, and like if you can make a temporary experience that's really cool, yeah, it's still worth yeah. doing. Like it's, uh, yeah, fuck it. Sorry, like, uh, like when half the things we talk about on like thirty twenty ten in this show are like memories of what it's like that we cannot recreate and the game yeah. itself being re-released won't yeah. help recreate that and i mean stadia was like that it was a cool experience that didn't yeah. last i mean it was it was pretty good like there's nothing really wrong with the service that i can point to other than that it's just like yeah i just like the tactile feel of using my consoles and yeah. you're not offering anything that i can't play on my console I, I remember we we talked about it for months and it was like they're going to have a game pass subscription service because they're google that mm-hmm. will knock everything out of the water make every and that, they had, that they, would have been smart they offered nothing to that effect i mean they did offer something they had no. if you were if you were a premium subscriber you got two free games a month that were, were yours for the duration of the service. What's your and favorite even... uh, Stadia monthly game, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> um, Paw Patrol, something or other. No, they 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 were like they they were real fucking games. Like that's how I got like the Stadia version of the Samurai Showdown reboot. Mm. And uh, Guilt was like what I think one of the only Stadia exclusives, and it was never part of that program. Yeah, I, I don't. I think you could yeah. launch a service like that with no exclusives, but. Like I, I expected, like Google, you should lose money on this for five years. Hmm. Offer gamers every reason to subscribe with a too like too good to be believed deal, and they they bailed on it. And once they did that, every other news story I saw about saw about it was like Google is abandoning this, and I never got involved. I, I, I sort of remember calling it at the time, though. I'm like, yeah, this this is. This could go one way, which is like if they seriously get behind it, put their money where their mouth is, they they have enough clout to like, yeah, have a good subscription service. Or it could go the way that a lot of Google products go, which is they'll give up on it very quickly um, and will make a series of baffling decisions that ultimately it's like a death by a thousand cuts. So like there was a lot wrong with Stadia in terms Mm. of just the business model, like on, on the back end side. The games required a port. And so devs like basically had to pay yep. to get their, their games on this no, platform Sadie versus had to pay like them. They, well yeah, yeah. Well that I mean, yeah, because no one wanted to pay that. Like it, instead of just saying like, yeah, just you know, just a PC version of the game will run. Like it was my understanding, and I didn't do any of the coding or anything like that, is that it was like um 
kind of like a version of Linux almost. Like it yeah. was a, a special port to work on Stadia, and it's like, well, that that's a huge mistake because yeah, if you if you want to build up a good library, make it as easy as possible yeah. for devs to get their thing on your system. You know, yeah, this uh, should be we should be playing. Uh, I don't know, I'm forgetting the name of the creators. Larry Google's Steam account right here <laughs> from the largest Steam library in the universe. Hmm. Why, why not? Well, that's that's kind of what NVIDIA does, right? That they just let you play the a little bit. PC yes. games you already own. They link it. See, NVIDIA is so interesting. I don't know if it still works this way, but I remember trying it out when it first launched. It basically is you're running a version of Steam that you sign into on their cloud servers. So mm. it's, like if, it's like if you were to sign into your Steam account. Uh, and then, so yeah, you're just playing a cloud. It's like a remote desktop connection where you're playing a cloud version of Steam that they try to like hide to make you not realize that you are just basically doing like a Windows remote desktop to Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, but it's not the full Steam library. Like I think they they did have to like certify certain yeah. games. And remember they got in trouble yeah. and they had to pull a bunch of games off the service. Yeah. But it's like it's basically is yeah, you're just you're just running a remote version of Steam in the cloud yeah. basically, and then running your library off of that. So yeah. I just realized uh, I can still access Stadia as of this recording and l- log in to see my library. I have two hundred and five Stadia games. What? That's wild. That I got mostly through that monthly program. I think I bought one or two of them. And uh, also Ubisoft Plus works or worked with Stadia, so um, all those games are there as well. But uh, you know, it's it's stuff like uh, Mafia Three, uh, Journey to the Savage Planet. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. Tomb, Rise of the Tomb Raider. And, you know, these are a bunch of Shouldn't mainstream even bring games. Bring it up, but I remember a big sitting there unplayed. A big story about their failure was courting Rockstar to get Red Dead Redemption Two on here. Like this is one of the biggest mm. games on consoles. We have to have it on Stadia, and like. You're going to have to, you know, this is going to require development. You sure you want to pay that? Like, oops, there goes our budget for most of Stadia. Getting a game, uh, like a months old game on this platform. Well, also, also, yeah, like it, it was one of the biggest games on consoles. I guess it still was when it came to Stadia, but. Not in a lie. You would have been better off getting a GTA 5 on there, you know? Yes. The, yeah, absolutely. GTA Online yeah. on Stadia, bam. I think that was also when you talk about getting something. That to me was probably the biggest factor why it didn't take off was you could never convince consumers to pay for a thing that they didn't truly ever own, right? And, no, and to yeah. Google's credit, <laughs> Netflix they made does it right every by day. consumers. <laughs> well, but, but but to Google's credit, though, they did make it right, and they they returned any money you put into that service. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you no longer have access to these games. Here's your money back. That they didn't more have suggests to do that. a sea change yeah. in in management because, like, I, th- I think Google's priority shifted. Yeah. Well, I mean, the difference between Stadia and Netflix is that Netflix doesn't make you buy the movies and then watch them on their service. Yeah, but I mean, like, we're we're all Game Pass subscribers, evangelize it all the time, but we don't own those fucking games Mm -hmm. and it doesn't bother us at all because the price is worth it. Google never offered anything like that. We think of Game Pass as a subscription Mm -hmm. service, just like Netflix, that grants us access to a library as long as we pay for the subscription. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not what Stadia was. Stadia touted it said this is the Stadia store. Thought, yeah. It's like this is your new I, console. I guess that's, like that's yeah, what I'm saying. Nah. If you can remember our show from like four years ago, that's what we thought Google was going to launch this thing that would like completely disrupt the entire games industry. And not only did it not disrupt it, it wasted a ton of people's time and money, and had too many talented people quit their jobs for something they weren't committed to. Fuck this thing. Mm. Fuck Stadia. 
And, and then for, for a series of missteps, like remember when it first launched, it required not only just a Chromecast, like yeah. a proprietary version of the Chromecast. Yes, that like, you can't use for anything else. I mean, I think maybe I, I heard something about possibly reflashing them as regular Chromecast, but I don't even wow. know if that's a thing or not. Wait, 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 wait. So you couldn't yeah. use a regular Chromecast. You had to buy a new Chromecast just for Stadia. Yep. They it came, came with, with the that controller, little bundle, that hundred dollar bundle they but sold. But yeah. that was also totally optional. Huh. You can just just use Stadia through any PC mm. with a controller. So that 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 might have hurt their messaging, like this idea that you people got might have gotten confused and thought they had to buy the hardware. Could be, yeah. could be, yeah. They they should have like referred to that as like the home entertainment package or like you know the the, the, the TV experience. package. I, I, I thought I was reading you know months ago the re- the reason we don't have you know game pass on roku and samsung is because samsung because the, the, the hardware actually can't support that yet uh hmm. the, the, like uh, fire sticks can't support whatever whatever it, it takes to stream interactive games at 1080p uh or 4k it's just not there samsung can do it with xbox game pass they're the only one for some reason I think. right and I, I would imagine certain tvs like you're fucked if you have a you can't do with every Samsung TV. It's just sort of sad that this has gone the way of, remember, was it the Steam? What was that Steam streaming box that basically just right. let you? Steam Link. Steam Link. Hmm. Then there was the PlayStation streaming thing that uh, lets you stream PSP games or some shit PS like Vita that. Vita TV. Vita TV. Yeah. It, well, that that wasn't streaming. That was basically a Vita that was, you know, a TV model. Like it did instead of being a handheld, it was just a tiny little microphone. Instead of being portable, it sat on top of your goddamn Zenith. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, you know, $300 if you want one at least. Right. But that's that's basically what that special Chromecast became. It's just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, throw it in the pile. Yeah. With the Ouya and uh, all the other failed micro consoles. What a ride. What a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, gentlemen. Lara Croft is back. Baby yeah! Tomb Raider. I love it's Tomb back. Raider. It's been too long, Lara. So great to see you. What is this new adventure? Oh, it's a DLC for Power Wash Simulator that lets oh. you power wash Lara's manor mansion home. Yeah. What? What? When do I get to power wash her? <laughs> My favorite part of Tomb Raider Chronicles now is the home to Power Wash Simulator. Mm-hmm. Michael's joke was better, but mine was more game specific. <laughs> I'm just pointing that out. How did this happen? This is like, new this ownership, is so baby. <laughs> yes, you're I don't right. know how. Do, how does any of this happen? It's like um, the what was it? Viscera cleanup detail, getting the Shadow Warrior levels. That it's to, it's not that know. it never should happen because if you look at like all the portal stuff that happened outside of Valve things, they're all games I'd never play. But, it's it's true, and I would have said that like you know Square, Square would never let this happen yeah, under their watch. They wouldn't let and then I look happen. at all the shit like from Square games that end up elsewhere. I'm like, oh no, that's wrong. Like Square Square let loans out their characters all the time. Yeah, yeah, but for mobile games, but like <laughs> not for console games. <laughs> or for so. fighting games too. But, but it shouldn't. Just You're be- making a Yaoi visual novel. Here's Cloud Strife. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't just like Shovel Knight shouldn't be the biggest whore in the games industry. Hmm. Laura deserves it. Okay, I mm. what? That's borderline misogynist. What you just I said, said it about Shovel Knight. <laughs> um, 
Shovel Knight mm-hmm. is a guy is like a literal prostitute for your game. Like he will appear in anything. He has had more game appearances despite having very few games. Laura Croft has been in dozens of games. And and now she's in Power Wash Simulator. And whatever that squ- well, her house is. Whatever that Square Enix version of uh, Tomb Raider was, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I really don't. Hmm. That was a no. super super expensive AAA thing that I don't know where where the rights lie now, but like I just don't think we'll ever see that again. Laura Croft is going to exist as a DLC character. And we shit. got two really great games in one pretty good game out of the deal like can't really which one's your pretty good one is that shadow the last one yeah it like i I played them very close to one another and like they're kind of indistinguishable to me so i thought the first one was excellent i thought the second was damn near perfect and then i thought the third one sort of fell off a little Mm. bit it's just a little little too much repeating what the first and second had done but all good games just like just like their time with just cause Mm. it's like yeah just cause there's nothing wrong with Mm. just cause 4 yeah, there was some graphical stuff I didn't watch, but but overall, yeah, nothing you can't fix with a patch. But it's it's you know it was very similar to Just Cause Three, and it's like yeah, those are good games. I don't know that we need another one of those. Yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, and uh, and then last but certainly not least, we have a wrap up. I love these these annual wrap ups of uh, the highest sellers of the mm. year released by NPD. So this is I think America only. Caveat that for you. Uh, but let's run down the list of top sellers in 2022. Some may surprise you. One title delights me. What? All right. So number one title of the year. I'll let you guys guess. What is the number one? Call of Duty. Is it Call of Duty? It's Call of Duty. Hey, they got it back. Good for them. Hmm. Number two, Elden Ring. Yay. Really? Call of Duty sold more Our than- game of the year. This one is a surprising to me because I thought that their sales had slipped recently, but Madden NFL 23 is the no, number Ma- three Madden game. had not, I think a few years, had not cracked like the top five, which was weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt strange to be in this industry and not have Madden dominate sales charts. So this one did okay. Uh, God of War Ragnarok was number four. Oh, dang. Um, Lego Star Wars, number five. Wow, holding down the top five. That's a big third party release. All right. Oh, yeah, no, they're doing great. Uh, number six. Now, keep in mind, like, every, well, most of the games above, except for God of War, have been on multiple systems. Um, so then we have Pokemon Scarlet Violet at number six, but that released, like, almost at the end of the year and was only on Switch, so that's pretty that's impressive. That's incredibly impressive. That means, like, not all the numbers are even in yet. I'm still kind of reeling from Elden Ring being number two. Like, it is a huge mass market game, and yet people still act as though it's this impenetrable little <laughs> gem. Not many people know about it, and it's only for the real gamers. That is that, that is strange. That, it, that mm-hmm. it couldn't be more mainstream if it is the top selling yeah. game behind Call of Duty. Number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, FIFA 23, number seven. Now, you could bet if this was Europe, that's like number R.I.P. One or two. to this franchise. Uh, another Pokemon game. So Pokemon holding on number six and eight. Legends Arceus was number eight That's for the year. That's fucking oh. crazy. That's one unit. Oh, Switch shit. exclusive. Actually, new IP. Big correction. None of the Switch titles include digital sales. So if you include digital Whoa. sales, that means Scarlet and Violet is way up that list. That's nuts. Um, and, and Legends Arceus. Horizon 2 Forbidden West was number nine. <sighs> And then number 10, MLB The Show. So the sports games are still there. You know, we just don't talk about them as much. Number 11, fuck. Fuck, this game won't go away. 
Mario Kart 8. <laughs> best Mario Kart of all time. What's it going to do? Can't go away. <laughs> Definitely the best selling. Uh, and then Call of Duty Vanguard. I think this is the first time we haven't had multiple Call of that, Duties in the top five. Because we didn't have a, 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 a Blops. The Blops ones are the ones that stick around. This is shocking to me. Because remember, this is US only. I didn't hear anyone talking about Gran Turismo 7, but that was the 13th best-selling game I didn't have video year. game conversations with some of my, let's call them, weird southern friends with no internet until Gran Turismo 7 came out. And they were like, well, I'm definitely getting a new system now. Uh, that hmm. was a motivating factor for older people. And, Matt, we know how Europeans work with Gran Turismo. Like, hmm. Well, I know it was also, you know, a friend of the show's game of the year or, or solid contender for it. Uh, Brett. Oh, what a, Brett loves what Gran Turismo 7. I've never hated him more. <laughs> He's the reason I bought it, and I still haven't started on it. Oh, you, it's it's worth playing. I don't know. I would I would recommend play Forza Horizon 5 over that game. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. Kirby was number 14. I'm going to go through the rest of the list real quick. NBA 2K23. Oh, Kirby, by 15. the way, I finally got into Forgotten Land, and that is... Game. One of the most violent games of the yes. past year yes. that I have played. It, it you kill so much shit so yep. mercilessly. And I want to say a thing about NBA 2K just to bother Matt. Hmm. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> Number sixteen. Keep in mind we released in November. Sonic Frontiers, sixteenth hey! bestseller hey! Uh, coming out above Gotham Knights, which like, hey man, you know, you know. Those knights got ham. Sonic Front, Frontiers is a much better game than Gotham Knights. So buy that first. Okay. Period. Well, thank you. Yeah. Number eighteen, Minecraft. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, been on this. Been on the list longer than Mario uh, Kart. What an underdog story at this point. <laughs> uh, Nintendo Switch Sports was number what? nineteen, hmm. and then last on the list, uh, number twenty, Super Smash Bros. That's Ultimate, pretty good for a so, uh, two-year-old game, three-year-old mm-hmm. game. More more than two. That's like a four year old no, game at this point, is it? isn't it? Yes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up there. Is it? Yeah. Pretty God, sure. Fucking COVID ruined. Right? I, yeah. I think that game came out before COVID. God dude. damn it. That game's from twenty eighteen. That game is almost <laughs> damn it. COVID. God damn. My brain. Wow. <laughs> Well, congrats to everyone that got to share the list with Sonic Frontiers. There are your best-selling <laughs> games of the year in the U.S. Uh, Such a privilege to share with Sonic Frontiers. I'll be honest, though. I feel... So there have been years past where I felt completely out of touch with the industry because of that list. I'm like, wow, none of my friends talk about any of these games. At least I feel like I know a lot of people who played yeah. all of those games. The sports titles aside, right? Mm-hmm. It's, that's like me and TL, but it's like... Uh, yeah, like at least I recognize those games, and I'm like, okay, yes, this feels like sort of in we're in touch with what's going on with the and, uh, in the industry. Yeah, hopefully Matt will remind me to post the Sonic Frontiers discussion on patreoncom time. You gotta post I know, that. I just kept keep forgetting. Maybe we should do a Sonic Frontiers spoiler cast since you don't think you guys will ever finish God no. of War. No, it's so boring. It's so boring. <laughs> This tells you I played through an entire Final yeah. Fantasy game to stall from playing God of Fuck War. God of War. Like I didn't want it on the top ten list at all. Like I've 
When no. you get when you get to the stuff with Odin, it picks up. Oh man! I went back to Disney Dreamlight Valley to stall from playing. Wow, God, you will not believe the way this guy not walks around in snow to find secret passages. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> unbelievable! Love that. Show. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, that that's your top sellers of the. All right. Well, let's move on into our community segment, which is always a segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week was. What game series would you want to see enhanced by FMV or voiceover? I'm amazed we got any answers that weren't jokes. Uh, on VideoGamePocalypse.com, <laughs> Kendall Holman says, I'm with Chris in that games have to hook me with gameplay before I will ever care about story. Ever. Uh, in yeah. fact, I went through a phase where I could not get into any game where the protagonist talked. <laughs> Especially like if they all? had a southern accent. If well, I was going to, <laughs> I was going to adjust the amount of voice acting and cutscenes to improve one game. I turned the guy from Final Fantasy X into a silent protagonist. <laughs> I'd also make him not be a water soccer player. To answer, <laughs> to answer the actual question asked. Rules. I don't know. Maybe give me a cutscene for all the characters in Mean Bean Machine. Please. That game requires <laughs> unskippable cutscenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Colin O'Hara says, uh, the Civilization series has voiceover for when you've uh, unlocked a new technology or something similar. You get uh, some contemporary quote, first with Leonard Nimoy, R.I.P., and now with uh, Sean Bean, Sean Bean. Mm. Uh, I, to his R.I.P. from many movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think they should, for the next, do a, a FMV with Sean Bean. It's uh, pronounced Sheen Bond. Sheen Bond. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm going to try The legend of, Sh- of Sheen Bond. Sheen Bond. And a costume appropriate series. for the era, reading the quote to the camera like a Shakespearean couplet. I think it would be, <laughs> would fit perfectly with a serious sense of humor. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I I just had an, a revelation. No, uh, SimCity 2000 should get voice acting so we can hear the transit guy saying, "You can't cut back on funding. You will regret this." <laughs> I, like I, I like not to plug 302010, but a discussion came up um, because we have SimCity 4 and SimCity. Uh, what was it like? A uh, 2013 releasing within like 10 years of one another. The baffling uh, release, like the how? How do you guys realize how much The Sims took o- over SimCity? Like SimCity doesn't exist. Yes. It doesn't yeah. exist. Well, they had the one big misstep game, and then it ten know, years ago, everyone jumped ship to City Skylines. And, like that, yeah, right, took over, right, man. right. But like that SimCity, like isn't a thing at EA or Maxis. Like they, they've sort of like just given it over to uh, other series and. Sim stuff. There's been like 900 Sims things released in the last 10 years. I, I, we never knew that. Until None we of them the are new Sims games. It's right. all just DLC yeah, it's and like add-ons. fucking pets and jobs horseshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to Sim players, but also get a better life. I think they had like, you know, Eco Life was a recent one. There's IKEA DLC. Like, wow. It's no Dreamlight Valley. That's true. <laughs> Apparently That's not. true. I can't dig constantly for fucking carrots with. <laughs> Merlin with the goddamn Sims, fucking Scar from mm. with Scar from Lion King. What other game lets you play with Scar? Again, as like, your yeah, stick for more carrots. I thought it was a <laughs> Matt's. Like, I can't stop playing Dreamlight Valley. I'm like, I can't. St- 
I can't play a mobile game where I actually have to walk and dig stuff instead of just tapping on it. Like this sucks. Mm. This is a mobile it's game. It's fascinating <laughs> to me. Because it, it's it's a game loft game, so it should have been a mobile yes. game. There's an energy mechanic that does it nothing because you just walk into your house and it horrible. refills your energy for free. It's horrible. <laughs> it's 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 just it's an like I, I I was addicted to the loop for sure, but like I when I got out yeah, of it, yeah. it's like oh god, thank god I got out of the grips of that heroin. This is fucking stupid. So I'm trying to save other people. Disney's Dreamlight Valley. Would you be surprised if I told you you're missing out on some good storytelling where Kristoff. Literally has to sacrifice his memories of Anna to save your fucking town, and you have to go on a quest to reinstate his memories so they can fall in love again. It's beautiful. I cry. I, I promise, if I did that, I would I skip don't that. Don't believe you. <laughs> Didn't cry. No, I, I and I fast forwarded past all yeah. the text, so I'm I can, I'm guessing <laughs> that most of the time. Uh, a man riding a woman riding a motorbike says, honestly. I would love a return to the cheesy FMVs yeah. featured in the original Resident Evil. Even mm-hmm. if they were just paid DLC, I'd love to have them Dude. in the new games. Dude, I'd go they, for that. They Capcom should flex there. They they could they could do something really silly with that. Um, yeah. You know what they should do? The puppets from that Japanese Resident Evil Village commercial yeah. should act out the cutscenes. Yeah. Turn them into real cutscenes. <laughs> there you go. Or, or anything. You could get, like, Roger Corman still alive. Like, <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just have him, like, uh, like have him direct via pointing, because I don't know how well he talks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Mm. Uh, on the official Laser Time community on Facebook, James Aaron Fretz says, I know the games have cutscenes and dialogue, sound grunts, but some voice acting from the other Zelda games would have been neat. Uh, Breath of the Wilds was strange and off-putting at first, but it got better as the story unwinded, especially when you unlocked the true ending. Mm. The true I mean- ending? I, yeah, what? <laughs> Did we? Was that where you got a motorcycle? Like, yeah, what the fuck? I beat it in seventeen <laughs> minutes. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Is, is that all the the background stuff with the uh, the other helpers, guardians, whatever they were? It's been so long since I, I played mean, that game. Five years. They say that, but then like Skyward Sword exists, and hmm. boy, that certainly didn't make that a better Zelda title. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the secret sauce behind this. Like, all your answers are wrong. These would all ruin all these games. <laughs> uh, such as Patrick Bowes said I, I'd heard Fantasy Star 4 was supposed to be a Sega CD game that needed to be reworked to release on Genesis so it's screaming for a Sega CD style enhancement uh, this time I don't want any manga inspired cutscenes I want full fledged FMVs with production values so mediocre <laughs> that they'd be sure to end up on red letter media <laughs> think South African masterpiece Nuki Nuki. Mm. Come on. The main character's name is Chaz. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Ed Balin says Crusader of Senti would Mm. be one. A forgotten Zelda like on the Genesis deserves another try since it was it was a late release in the generation that I missed out on. I remember trying it out like a decade ago and wanted to a remaster of it for modern consoles. I'd love to see an era appropriate FMV intro for it in that small video window with some like CD quality orchestral arrangements of the soundtrack. What like postage stamp size fucking pixel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I I saw like we did that. One of the most, like exhaustive researches I, I I did for the show that I wasn't preparing was when we did like the mist 
the mist upgrades and like oh. seeing hmm. seeing those as full those cutscenes as full screen and remastered like ah it's it's jarring it's awful. I want them very it's small awful. yeah I want them very small and two frames a second please hmm. <laughs> I think at the time when mist came out the standard monitor resolution was like 600 by 800 like that yeah. was that was it you know so yeah better than a tv but not by much um yeah. Uh, and on Twitter at Mangione, Mang11, uh, says Man. vampire survivors seeing a poorly acted, yeah. heavily compressed video at the end of a run would be great. It's, it really yeah. would. I, I have to agree. Yeah. It really yeah. would. And more torture after you can't defeat death. Like yeah. Dub. We need a name for that art style. I'm going to call it. Windows 95 desktop art. Like, it's <laughs> sure. it's like one of those games, you know? Like, I love it. Yeah. I fucking love it. Uh, finally, we have a video response from Full Install, who says... Hey, BJ crew, it's Tom here from YouTube channel Full Install. Coming at you from a very cold England. It's minus five Celsius here, mm. which Google tells me is 23 Fahrenheit. Oh, bullshit. I guess that's cold. Is that cold by your standards? I have... Pretty no frame of reference. Anyway, annoyingly, I didn't um, get a chance to contribute to your question last week, which was Game of the Year, but I'll sneak that in now. Not Game of the Year, the game we're looking forward to the most. Stalker 2 would have been my answer. Uh, but um, uh, to answer this week's question, what game would we like to have a voiceover or some sort of FMV polish? Uh, there's only one thing that I can think of that comes to mind, and that is I would like someone to go back and re-record the voiceover sound bites for Thunder Force 2, mainly this one, because it's been bugging me for, I'd say, about 30 years, not knowing what the hell that is meant to be saying. So if someone could just clarify that, I'll uh, I'll die happy. But otherwise, now nah, leave games alone. They don't need a retroactive voiceover. Just that one soundbite. Let's hear it again. There we go. Anyway, hope you're all well, and uh, yeah, catch you next time. <laughs> it's clearly something on. I think it says take off your arms. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. In there. Yeah. Whenever we talk about the Simpsons arcade game, to me, Bart always says nice fruit roll, man. And I don't care what anybody else says about what he's actually saying. He's saying nice fruit roll, man. Because that's what I ate back then. All right. Fruit rolls. He's clearly talking directly to you, Chris Antista, yeah. for whom the game nice was Nice fruit roll-ups. You can create dragon fingers mm -hmm. with enough fruit roll-ups. The, then... the developers at Konami were like, quick, what is protagonist of reality Chris Antista eating right now? Fruit exactly. roll-ups. Let's work that in He's somewhere. not going to get this Beatles reference in the no. Dreamland stage, so <laughs> might as well put a fruit roll-up reference. They couldn't afford the butter finger license at the time. No, you know? Not even fun fruits would play along. <laughs> I remember those trees. Sorry, yeah. kids the 80s and uh, so new question of the week who is a creator of video games you'd like to see return to the industry after I'm a long this is inspired by roberta williams yes return. yes exactly well pri prior to this i would have said her because uh you know she's uh you know was, did, did some really cool stuff back in the day um so i don't know i'm gonna say a, another sierra guy who Probably could not make a game to save his life now. Al Lowe, creator of Leisure <laughs> Suit Larry. Uh, I, w w he had a sensibility that would have been considered edgy in the 80s. And now is like, this is like the lamest dad joke shit I've ever heard. Yeah. I would like to see him bring his sensibilities back to gaming. It doesn't have to be a new Leisure Suit Larry, but do something. 
Come out of retirement. Having man. watched movie 43 for 30 2010, hmm. I cannot imagine being nostalgic for that. No, no. It, like, I, I, I go to bat for that movie. I think <laughs> that movie should happen every year. Well, I was going to say the two guys from Andromeda, but I think they came out with something recently. Really? So, yeah. Like the guys who did Space Quest. So okay, good. Then I running good out of one. Sierra personalities. Um, I got a good one. Go for it. I'm voting for Phil Fish. Hmm. Yes. Oh, because boy, yeah. I think Fez is great, and the reason people hate that guy is because a a documentary and b he's in his twenties. We're all older now. Like you were an mm-hmm. asshole in your twenties too. Ask your parents. Uh, like <laughs> it. it I don't know. Like we, 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 we seem to get like this person was an asshole once. I never want to hear from them again. Like that's not how life works. I, like I like I, I am pro uh, not cancel culture, but like I like the idea of a democracy of people saying like, fuck this person. I do like that. But also mm-hmm. like, you know, people said that to Brendan Fraser. Uh, about because he made shitty movie choices, and then well, he, I, th- I thought Phil Fish quit because fans were being assholes to him. He, was but he, he was in a very he was in a very Elon Musk portion of his life where he thought he had mm. to respond to every single thing everyone said about ah. him, mm-hmm. uh, and you grow out of that. You do, and like uh, the dude had interesting ideas, and like, uh, but he's he's immortalized as being an awful person in a documentary, but like. I, I, I don't I like no matter what you think about me Reddit drama users like I don't have anything like that in my background I don't have any super regrettable cancelable thing in my life uh, but if I did like I think I'd want to still be working uh, so oddly enough we have a bit of a connection to the reason Phil Fish left the industry so I think Michael it was why you were on hiatus I had one of my ex-coworkers and a friend Marcus Beer on the show. And Marcus Beer is the guy credited with making Phil Fish quit. Even though I, I always viewed it as like Phil Fish probably had a long list of reasons yes. why he didn't want to make Fez 2 and he He created kind of a bad persona like, for himself online and had to answer for that every day. You don't want that in your life. I get it now. But he, he basically, yeah, the reason he says he quit is like, well, because this journalist Marcus Beer was making fun of me on the Game Trailers podcast and and like who really? gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but but again, I think it's like, well, there's there was a lot of people criticizing him. He was, you know, like a lot of creative people, probably pretty sensitive guy, and yeah, didn't want to deal with that side of fame, which is like, yeah, you're opening yourself no, up to I, 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 all sorts of criticism. I'm there too. Know? I want to make a comeback someday as well. But I also, like, don't care about adulation from strangers anymore. And once you can, like, balance that out with, like, wanting to create something, hey, man, you might have something. I mean, Fez was wonderful. And, like, yeah, I would love for the creative force behind Fez to make another game. But but to, to my knowledge, like, he was, like, kind of ostracized for being a vocal dickhead. Well, he was in that indie game movie with, uh, was it Jonathan Blow, yeah. the dude from no, no, Braid he, he, and, and The Witness? No, no, his dickhead behavior was chronicled in Indie Game the Movie, one of the only games on, only movies on Steam. Uh, but, yeah. but, but, yeah, like, uh, I think we sort of have to recognize we all grow up at some point, and, like, it wasn't anything super cancelable. No one's been hurt uh, or assaulted, so, mm. yeah, dude, make a game again. Go for it. Fez is cool. Yeah. Do it. Come on. Do it. Do it. Do it. 
Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, mine is, uh, I jokingly said it, but I, I kind of would really love to see Don Bluth w- do something else video yeah. game related. Hmm. Uh, but then I, I found like my real answer, which is like just a bit of game trivia. Um, you would think that Steve Wozniak would have worked on more games, but he pretty much only did Breakout. Which was, you know, kind of a conversion variation on Pong, right? But Breakout was, like, one of my favorite games back in that era. He designed that, apparently using a concept by Nolan Bushnell. Because we were like, yeah, I don't think Nolan Bushnell made games. But apparently he had a concept that then Steve Wozniak adapted into a game design. So Woz, I would love for Woz to... I mean, what else is he doing? He's just sitting on his Apple stock money. To me, he hasn't done anything in the last 10 years other than being played by Seth Rogen. So yeah, come on, Wass. Like, do give us one last game. Yeah, you've been you've been out of this for decades. I'm sure you'll do fine. I mean, that's <laughs> that, it, that, that's I, I think that's the weird part about the question of the week is that like um, people who are still working in the industry still find a way to do stuff. Like I, I just saw it. Never mind. Uh, I, but 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 like uh, uh games are uh kind of a young person's game a young person's field and like the mm-hmm. only person i've seen been able to adapt to that is ron gilbert because he like you know he's got like an in- inimitable style from a sub sub genre of games so that he can come back and it feels good again uh i don't know of anybody else who could do that I- i'd be curious to see how that would work could steven spielberg come back and make boom blocks again i don't know I don't know. <laughs> I, I love Boom Blocks, but that was like one of my first video game related injuries where I, I got like a big lump on my wrist that was told like, yeah, that's just like some loose synovial fluid. It'll go away over time. <laughs> but it was because of the way I was whipping the controller. Yeah. Thanks, Spielberg. Instead of Munich 2, you hurt Michael. Yeah. What the fuck, man? God damn it. <laughs> I'll never see your Fableman sequel now. <laughs> <laughs> so when their, their son grows up to win a bunch of Oscars and be, and be thanked by Short Round at the Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's the, the fight choreographer from one of the Matrix sequels. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's tough to come back if you're not hanging in the industry. So um, I, I think that, that that would be interesting. It's happened before. It's not impossible, but um, yeah, yeah. Like to see it happen. So, who would you like to see return to the video game industry? Who's been absent for a while? What creator? Let us know. Go to vidgamapocalypse.com. Answer to the comments for episode five hundred and seven. Uh, alternately, you can visit us at the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer or ping us on Twitter at vgapocalypse, and we will. Read answers on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out some plugs. Uh, guys, what do we got? Uh, shit. We got, like, Patreon this week is fucking brimming with sick of Star Wars, 80s in depth. I watched Superman 3, and I'm fucking upset about it. And I'm sorry. Hopefully tell you that about was that next Richard week Pryor. Yeah, it's, well, it's, like, it's like a Richard Pryor movie mixed in with a bad Super. It's fucking weird. It's so crazy. Mm. Um, it does feel like they combined two movies they had filmed. Yeah, you, you think good. it maybe started as a Richard Pryor comedy, and they're like, "This will never sell." Let's I mean, add like Superman. We just did the previous show where like the guy wanted to turn this into a comedy, and when he had the full reins, he like got rid of most of the cast. 
cast Richard Pryor and made half the movie about him. It's the one of the. Never mind. Uh, I'll talk about it more on the show. Was some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Uh, Thirty twenty ten this week. Uh, I'd never watched Chicago before, and really? I really liked it. Yeah. Well, I thought I had uh, just because of, like through osmosis or like seeing it somewhere, and. Uh, yeah, I have a semi-interesting story about how, yeah, I didn't know what this movie was about at all, because they only show you the musical clips. Well, you really had it coming. Yeah, I had it coming. <laughs> you had it coming. I had it coming. Uh, and, yeah. What? <laughs> you just did musical theater joke. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I got that. I understood it's a that Chicago reference. joke, yeah. I understood that reference. Uh, JR yeah, called nice. it the best musical of the uh, 2000s, and I think, like... It doesn't have a lot of competition. It doesn't, but... <laughs> It made a lot of money, and it's it, it's true only because rents from the nineties. I'm just mm. gonna put it out there. It, well, no, it's it, not the movie. That's true. The movie is from. the Oh wait, was there a movie, movie, or is that just Team America? What am I thinking of? Oh, rent. <laughs> there was a rent movie for there sure. There was a rent movie. I hope uh, Popeye played the landlord and called it Rank the whole time. <laughs> That's a dumb reference. I'm, I'm yeah, not surprised so. it didn't get a laugh so. from anybody. Is it? Uh... I will plug with my real answer what it should have been. Tim Fallon needs to return to the games industry and only make 16-bit mm. music. Uh, the yes. the yes. writer of the Silver Surfer OST amongst a ton of other of our favorite video game soundtracks. So that's, mm-hmm. That should have been my answer. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll say my real answer is Jordan Mechner. Uh, it's been a long time go. since he did Karateka. Come come do another game. Do something new. You're, yeah. You... you can do your th- your third brainchild. You did Karateka. You did Prince of Persia. Do something cool. Not unlike uh, Hollywood, like you could make a game like that and then retire if it's, mm-hmm. once it's released on its sixteenth platform. You gave us a game that that I call Karateka. Yeah. Michael calls Karateka. <laughs> Karateka. <Yeah. laughs> it's like the. the he also calls song. it a uh, Kickle Cubicle, which is mm-hmm. disgusting. So I named him Mickle Cubicle in my mind. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and plug a thing we mentioned. So Chris has to get it up, but it will eventually be there. We recorded the that. show of our games of the year oh. that didn't make the list, the personal choices. That's going to be on the Patreon. You have to subscribe at the $5 or more level per month to get access to that. Plus our uh, annual tradition at this point, the ordering show, where you can hear about all about how we decided our top 10 of the year. You you get to hear just nothing but heated debate amongst these three lovely hosts. Yes. So. Patreon.com slash laser time is what gets you access to that stuff. All right. Well, as always, you can visit us online at VigiGameApocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse or follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's W-I-G-I-P-A-R-A-Z. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Not unlike the mystery of which you could have solved a thousand times over 20 years ago. Uh, Stop bringing it up when I'm on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Please edit that out. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry.